Trader Joe's. Okay. It's like four bucks a six pack. And oh. what's great about it is, is that the beer's okay. It's not like wow, but it's for a wit. And like when we go river rafting, uh huh. I mean, I mean, Sean's beer is great because you know it actually tastes good. But the IPA, <laughs> the IPA, the only problem is, is that you know when you're doing class three, class four. It's okay, but anything above class four in the IPA will fuck you up on the river. <laughs> is it just getting constantly shaking in your belly? Well, no. It's just, you know, the alcohol. Yeah. Because, you know, we used to bring, like, um, Boddington's and a few others. And, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, but then you start doing anything, you know, above 6%, you know, and you're in the heat all day. And, you yeah. know, you're floating down the river and you're exercising a little bit. And you're like, okay, Was the intern know. supposed to be here? I don't know. I don't know. Where's your producer? Producer, uh, <laughs> did you do the tornado? No, no, no. Producer was unhappy that we stayed at the tornado until way past your bedtime. <laughs> was this last night? Yeah. She was like, I have to get up at eight. I have to be somewhere at eight. Yeah. It's like something's wrong and I can't quite put my hand on it. It's a little spotter. Well, Rattaburger comes in 333 bottles. Rattaburger bottles are slightly smaller than. You like that beer, don't you? I love Rattaburger. And it's better in bottles because Tornado and Zeitgeist don't have it cold enough. It's but true. my little corner market, they have it at at, uh, at Hyden Union. They have it, and it's almost always good there. I picked up a six pack before at the Jug Shop okay. at Pacific, and they're usually pretty good. And uh, it was all bad. It wasn't fresh. It was like, and I brought it to, I brought it this part. I'm like, I love this beer, and I like take the first sip. I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> excuse me. Mm, wow, it smells really good. I mean, it's a good wheat beer. It is. I mean, it's a good wit, and I wish it had a little bit more orange. Mm-hmm. But we can always add that. Good. It's a wow. This is a very amazing hot day beer. It's a. I mean, I actually have five gallons of Anita keg tomorrow. Maybe tonight. I don't know. Depends on how I feel. Yeah. I only got thirty gallons of beer I need to deal with right now. Mm-hmm. I got a double IPA that uh, all Amarillo. I use seventeen ounces of Amarillo. That were nine point nine alpha acid in five gallons. Wow! I can't and wait. <laughs> Where is that? Is that special for the summer or just? just oh, that's a, just to have. Just to have. Just I had all these amarillos, and I'm like, you know, let's do a double IPA. So interesting choice for the beginning of the summer. Well, it's because I actually have already have a pail. I got this. I have. Um, a I have t- twelve gallons of triple that's ready, and I have a ore beer, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I have a bitter. I have a what I call my saucer full of secrets. Um, it's like six different um, <laughs> sh- sugars that I used. Uh, Belgium strong dark, but it's uh, kind of a tribute to Sid Barrett when he passed away. I really wanted oh, to do right. something to kind of okay. You know, and the last album supposedly he worked on, and you know, not really worked on the song, but I thought that that was a good tribute to him, and I really wanted to do something fun, and so I did that, and then I did, uh, so that's about nine percent, and then there's a uh, like a thirteen percent that I did with it's a Noel, so it's the same style but just beefed up bigger, mm-hmm. and then I actually blend those two together, and then I add I have some port infusions I've been working on. <laughs> dried figs, dried cherries, cinnamon, vanilla, oak chips, French oak chips. Wow. And then I blend that after about three months. Then I blend that back into the beer. And you get something that you'll never try. 
outside of, you know, if I bring a bottle. <laughs> right. It's mad scientist beer. <laughs> it's mad scientist beer. Well, I gave some to Doc, and he was like, oh, my God. Because he actually came over when I was brewing the wit, and we were talking. He's like, dude, this is awesome. So then we started talking about it. I'm like, well, we can to do To get that compliment that. from Doc is, is a compliment. Yeah. Oh, it totally is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so. it's the appropriate beer word that we use here. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What's this? <laughs> this beer is awesome. Dude. <laughs> um, well, any second now, the bell's going to ring. So, Oh, is it already going? Yeah. Like, we've been <laughs> Has this been recording? Of course. All right. <laughs> And uh, the bell is kind of have, has a mind of its own. It's yeah. just, just like the last show. It just goes off. The, the bell didn't go off until the end of the show. Well, that's because the bell was confused because we were recording we were, at well, a secret it, location it with a Yoda poster. It, it took it that long to get to to us. It had to find us, and we forgot the bell. Uh. So we're waiting for it. I mean, because it's... <laughs> It's Tuesday, Thursday afternoon. Exactly. And it's confused again because it's not. Is this attention? It, <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. You guys are in the cafeteria. How? You're never in the cafeteria. You're either in the library or in the lab or at the bar. Smoking in the boys' room. Smoking in the boys' room. <laughs> and uh, you can play like hot for teacher like one time. Just, to, you know. just one time. Get a bag, get a bag, get a bag. I've got hot for teacher as recorded by. One of the swing bands here in the city. That'd be perfect. That yeah. would be perfect. Just blowing their hearts out on the horns. Ah, there's our bell. <laughs> Speaking of blowing its hearts out. You're listening to Beer School. We're here to help you and your friends learn to like more than one kind of beer. There's lots of beers to like. Some are made right down the street from where you live, and others have to travel halfway around the world just to get to you. Learn why beer tastes like it does, how other styles came about, and which food goes best when describing what you're tasting? The best part about homework is? It's beer. No, wait. The best part about beer school is it's the homework. It's yes. written down. You, you still don't get beer. it right. <laughs> Give him like show 30. <laughs> well, anyway. Beer 30. The best one was, he was trying to write, read a URL, and he wasn't getting the breaks between the words right. <laughs> Butchering, butchering the URL. Yes. Well, this has been an interesting uh, past couple of weeks because we've had some guests in town. Uh, our friend Peter from Hawaii basically did a monster mm. tour while mm. he was here. He listened to uh, touring San Francisco beers on, uh-huh. the, on the flight over, and he managed to get to 21A, Marin Brewing, Triple Rock, Jupiter, Magnolia, Toronado, Drake's Anchor, San Francisco, uh, San Francisco Brewing, and... The 21A? And City Beer. That's where he's uh, first. He's oh, okay. Sorry. 21A. And uh, he says he guesses you could call it a beer-oriented vacation. Yes. How many days was that? I think he was here for 10 days. Yeah, because... That's a pretty serious lineup. Well, because he <laughs> yeah. also made it to Boonville. And... Ah, um, oh, there you go. Yeah. And uh, he didn't get to Zeitgeist, of all things. You know, uh, I've lived here for 16 years, and I've never been over there. No, I swear to God. Wow, I get distracted. That's pretty amazing. Well, it is the out. It is San Francisco's biker bar with a beer garden. I know, and Maybe I should be there. You should be there. Of all people, the person that we're talking to, Sean Paxton from HomebrewChef.com. How you doing? Thank you very much for coming. Oh, anytime to the show. So, so I was getting tired of only drinking all day on Sundays. And working <laughs> Thursdays, all day schedules. But it would have been Tuesday if I was feeling better. But you know, exactly. Well, you couldn't. You couldn't taste. 
I couldn't you taste. Had, and, you had and no taste on Tuesday. I had no taste. Yes, I was. I was rude, and I had no taste. So. And yeah. since then, you've read some etiquette books. Etiquette books, uh, detention. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I feel a little bit better now. So. Right on. Well, so today we're going to talk about pairing food with beer. Yes. And we have quite a lineup of different things. So unlike the salad show, the beer and salad <laughs> show, <laughs> which was all It's made not of, the first. It's not. It's, it's not. This show is really real. <laughs> yeah, there's a pile of food on the table really right here. Is. I was wondering when I listened to that show, I was cracking up. I'm like, fried salad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how'd they fry a salad? I mean, I fried basil, I fried parsley, but salad? Well, and how do you get an extra day out of it? I, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> and he got an award from the governor to get <laughs> that, was, that was just pure silliness. But it's amazing the number of people that write in that says that you know that that have been listening to the show since and they find out that beer and salad wasn't wasn't real a real show it wasn't a real show and they're and then they're okay you got me yeah well it's funny too because when you first started talking about the whole toasted raisin debate Uh um there's a website uh the bulgarian babel belt and they um talk a lot about belgian beers and how beers are made and whatnot and tommy arthur down at port brewing um he does a double that they caramelize raisins and it was this big long debate about how do you caramelize raisins and i'm like toasted raisins wow okay <laughs> you could do that yeah i guess you know i mean you could put them on a skewer and put them in the toaster and yeah you know. yeah put them on the grill yeah, exactly yeah. Little make sure you turn them we, right we got the raisins on the barbie for you and the barbie yes smoked raisins smoked raisins so a barbie could hold it in her plastic hand <laughs> barbie yes yeah. now ken might get a little jealous well that's uh that's ken's problem ken was yes. seen with gi joe and skipper we don't know Ooh. what's going on there <laughs> all right so where do we start we have all this we we're drinking this beer uh, out of a can wit beer out uh, of a can and it's not Whit-Kirk. sean's what kirk what yeah it's what kirk what kirk it's a uh, Belgium uh, wit, which is a light wheat beer, usually about 4%, that has coriander and orange peel. It's a very refreshing, perfect for today in San Francisco, where it's about 70 degrees outside. It's warm. Yeah, I'm burning it's it up. It's really nice. <laughs> so, And this came from uh, Trader Joe's. It is a Trader Joe's beer, and it's uh, one of the better beers I think that they actually carry outside of uh, a few of the other ones. But uh, it's like four bucks a six pack, and uh, it's a can, so it actually is pretty fresh. They actually do it the same beer in a bottle, and they have it on draft periodically. But mm-hmm. I think in a can, it's pretty damn good. It is. Well, that means it can go to the beach, or it the can, river, or the river. Um, it could go to the moon, maybe. We had the discussion Whoa. about whether the zero gravity. What would happen to beer in zero, zero gravity? gravity. We had, yeah. I wonder if yeah, the, the CO two and how that would. I think we decided yeah, uh, yeah. that the bubbles would all form into one large bubble because of or flo- would it dissipate? because of flocking, or if it got to if the if the surface tension actually held the bubble inside. What kind of head would you have in your beer in space? Oh, this is the whole thing. No one's ever actually talked about beer in space. That's a future show. We need to get you uh, need to get an astronaut on somebody <laughs> who doesn't wear diapers though. <laughs> somebody who's not so mad. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe she um, needed a beer. Maybe, maybe that was really that was the whole thing. Maybe that was her problem. If or maybe she, she had a beer in space and it really messed her up. Because the gigantic bubble well, just hit I her in the to, face or something. 
I used to drink beers with uh, people in Mountain View who were actual rocket scientists. <laughs> and uh, they could be on the show and probably answer uh, know the answer to this question. That is a good question. So Inquiring sure, minds want to know. I'm sure that some astronaut has snuck a beer. Was it a beer. freeze-dried beer? No. Well, <laughs> what would you add? Uh, beer. <laughs> <laughs> I actually used to work at REI for a while, and, and uh, every, every once in a while I would actually get people like, and you probably need to get some dehydrated water. Right. Okay, so what do you add? Do you add water? How much does that cost? And you're just trying to keep a straight face, <laughs> yeah. and you realize they didn't get it, and they said, oh, we're all out right now. Sorry. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was very entertaining. Well, you, like, could, you could sell them the purification tablets. Oh, we did that too, but yeah. I thought the – you know, dehydrated, dehydrated water was water. the best, you know. Sometimes I'll be, like, cooking and I'll have a pot of water boiling and everybody's like, what's that for? And I'll, it's like, oh, it's my water reduction. Right. <laughs> it's my water reduction. And it's funny because they kind of like, oh, okay. Just really concentrating that water flavor. All right. So here's where we're going to start. I think we're going to start with the bag of chips. The bag of chips so we can get real crunchy. and So we can get real crunchy and we can uh, – I think the, the bag of chips is going to go really well. With this very light, crisp beer. Now, do we do the the lightly salted, or do we do the blue cheese, or the buffalo salted. blue cheese? Sir? The buffalo blue cheese is a different. Um, yeah, that's a, is going to overwhelm that poor beer. Totally. Yeah, well, and uh, or the or the uh, these. Let's go for the chips. Okay, chips. It is. We have four beers, so yeah. For the folks at home, John is opening a bag of chips, and he's actually using his Leatherman tool. Uh, I would have chosen the scissors, but he's using a Don't knife. Don't have scissors. Your Leatherman doesn't have scissors? It doesn't fold open to do a big set of scissors? No, see what it opens up to. No, no, I can't do that. I'll just be fascinated for the rest of the show staring at the shiny metal <laughs> Leatherman. <laughs> oh. Those are, oh, those are pliers. Yeah, they're oh. pliers. Ah. I'm going to cross my legs. <laughs> 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 All right, chips. Okay. For the record, these are uh, kettle chips. These are kettle chips from Easily uh, Found. The Kettle Company. Um, they have a whole bunch of different kinds of chips. Have you tried those new uh, Thai spicy Thai? They're yeah. very good. They didn't have them at the store oh. today, but they did have these. And uh, thanks, motor. <laughs> you know, we have to get over that. And this practice. is the one thing that we can eat all at the same time. <laughs> and no one's going to care because there's no dead air anyway. Because <laughs> everybody's going to hear it. I'm trying the difference between the darker ones and the lighter ones, too. Mm. Now, one thing that's kind of interesting about these chips um, is this kind of gets back to how you actually taste. And anytime you put salt on things, it usually wakens up flavors. You know, you think about, you know, you salt your fish, you salt your meat, you salt, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is you're cooking and you're, you know, in the cooking process, you use salt to bring out those flavors and also at the end you know you can use there's a whole bunch of new salts out in the market and but when you taste this beer after you know this chip sure you still taste the potato but then it actually perks up and you really get that nice weedy you get that little bit of coriander mm -hmm. a little bit more i think the orange comes out more after eating, it does eating the chip exactly so many chips before our beer or maybe just maybe. a little salt like it well hey there you go maybe that's why people put salt in their beer Sometimes, and actually, wasn't it you were talking about that that beer from Germany that has that salt and coriander? Mm. The um, maybe the the Leipziger goes beer. 
Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of that, but I would love to try it because, you know, salt is such an underappreciated – it used to be currency. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think one thing about salt, <clears throat> and especially when you're cooking, is that if you add it too late in the process, it yes. doesn't actually help. It doesn't. It's almost as if when you're, it's almost as if when you're putting salt on your food at the end – you're really not doing it. It anymore. helps, but it helps, but it's almost like okay. You, you, it's, it's not all the way through. It's not all. It's not done. You know, it's, yeah. it's too late. There's a lot of debate actually about how to use salt. Um, it's interesting. Uh, Judy Rogers from the Zuni Cafe. She has a great cookbook out. It's won a lot of awards, and she talks a lot about salting your chicken or your duck or your, you know, your nice steaks mm-hmm. um, 24 hours in advance. Interesting. And the idea of, you know, the larger the piece of meat, the thicker, you know, it is, the more time it takes for that salt to really penetrate through. Mm -hmm. So you actually get the flavor all the way through. And to really stop and think about what you're doing and how you're doing something. And, you know, you think about brining, you think about curing, you think about other ways to use salt. And to get that flavor in, I mean, you try pork without a brine, you try pork with a brine, especially this day. Well, not only night and day, but since they bred out most of the fat, which equals flavor, it actually helps it from drying out, and mm-hmm. it actually makes a huge difference all the way through. My sister does a mean uh, barbecued chicken that's been brined. It just cooked the daylights yeah. out of it and it comes out perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It actually will actually help because you can overcook something, and because of the extra moisture, because of the salt and the sugar that's been brought into the meat, it actually helps you know prevent it from drying out. So. Actually, cook it a little bit more, just in case you're worried about salmonella. Mm-hmm. I would say that about 24 hours is probably a bit long. Not necessarily. I mean, no, it depends. But you know, just from from my experience in cooking a steak. Yeah. Well, to also be that prepared, right? To salt something 24 hours in advance. That's my thing. I mean, it's <clears> like right. I go and to the store and I'm like, "What do I want to eat I'm tonight?" Thinking about steak for a whole day. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be <laughs> steak. And that's pretty I get much a the steak only thing at I'm, home that's salting right now. Exactly. And then that's going to be my only thought is steak. <laughs> steak. Steak. It's and like the, the pigeons when you stand around eating bread and the pigeons are looking at you going, okay, when you can drop some. Yeah. Yes. Please drop. Bread, crumb, crumb, right. please. And, uh, well, so usually when I'm making a steak, it's salt, pepper, let it sit on the counter while the coals are getting Very warmed good. up. And then that's generally the length of time. 20, 30 minutes. 20, and, 30 minutes. Yep. And then that's what I call the perfect steak. The perfect steak. Well, and also, too, it's kind of fun. Um, I don't know um, all your listeners out there, but there's actually there's a whole bunch of new salts out in the market mm-hmm. that aren't your, just your standard table salt, your iodized uh, table salt, um, your kosher salt, but then there's all these different French gray salts and sea salts, and you can actually um, really get some really cool, like salt from the Himalayas. I have salt from Utah that's actually pink. Mm. Um, There's uh, a black salt from Hawaii. There's uh, a couple other black salts out there that actually flaked. Um, There's some Asian salts out there that... uh, very different colors and textures, and um, there's an English salt that actually it's like a flaked salt, and uh, they're not nearly as salty as you think of salt. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's not as refined. It's just more evaporated, and mm-hmm. the 
crystallization process um, takes a lot longer and you get very nice shards and textures and it actually adds a whole other element to salt outside of just being salty, but it actually adds a crunch, a, a texture. And then from there, you can actually smoke it. You could actually, not necessarily as we would smoke <laughs> other things, but you could put it in a smoker and actually flavor that salt right. with smoke. Um, Alderwood, or there's a new one out there that they're using, uh, Chardonnay barrels. Oh, wow. And they actually infuse that smoke in. I just did a uh, salt at home that's uh, figwood. Okay. And it actually has kind of a sweet, smoky flavor to it. That's interesting. And then you put that on top of your steak at the end. It's kind of fun. That's, wow. Figgy salt. <clears throat> so I wanted to bring up this part about uh, the, the tasting. of. You know, so we had the chip. Totally. We had it a little while ago. Had some beer, and I'm noticing that um, the salt flavor's gone away, and mm-hmm. now the beer tastes like you know that those things that were coming out before not there. That my my mouth has reset. Mm, orange, coriander. <laughs> no, this is a good looking yeah. one. Good. It's all go. crinkled up. The kettle guys are interesting because they've made these chips that are uh, more authentic to yes. chip. Uh, I've, it's not is, a Pringle? It's not a Where Pringle. Where they all look the same? Right. Where they all look the same, and they all have that processed taste. They're mm. made out of pulp. They're made out of wood Like pulp. the old Carl's Jr. fries. Yeah, exactly. The leftover parts of the chip <laughs> are the... Are potato the waste. I don't think parts. There's much, <laughs> I don't think there's much waste in a potato. But this is my chip of choice. I mean, I, I love cow I agree. Chips. They do a good job. And the fact that they've gone and pushed all these different flavors... You, were you around when uh, we were at the Brewing Network party where we had the, the beta test chips? I did not try that one, no. Okay, because they had a um, box of five, a, a box that had five different bags of chips, and one of the chips was chocolate chips. Mm-hmm. Ooh, cool. Mm-hmm. Chocolate potato, nice. It was nice. Was it good? Mm-hmm. There's actually, um, in Canada, there's actually some really cool chips that you can get. And they actually have, like, pickle-flavored chips, and they have ketchup-flavored mm-hmm. chips, and they have mayonnaise-flavored chips, and, so I mean, shrimp chips, shrimp. yeah. And steak-flavored in England. Ooh, steak. Yeah, meat-flavored nice. chips. But you have to be careful with where the flavor's coming from. Yeah, if it's, if art, the it's all artificial. Right, if mm-hmm. the flavor's a chemical, then that's yeah. really not that intriguing. True. <laughs> but there's some new things going on there that's kind of interesting because understanding um, not only the different flavors and oils and the chemical that actually makes up that flavor, but, you know, you can actually build a beer backwards by understanding that this hop, whether it's a Summit hop or it's a Cascade hop mm-hmm. or it's a Amarillo, I mean, you can get all these different flavor components from those hops, and you can actually build certain flavors into your beers by using those different flavors, and and, um, they're actually starting to do some other things. Uh, There's a couple websites out there right now that are playing with the idea of coffee, chocolate, and believe it or not, garlic all have some of the same flavor components. And they're actually doing some competitions out there that, you know, how can you use you know, garlic, coffee, and chocolate in a recipe together that actually works. That's, that is an incredibly mind-blowing thing to think about. I can see that. Yeah. In the right proportion. In the right proportions. And I could actually see them playing off each mm-hmm. other. I mean, coffee and chocolate, no problem. Right. Garlic, garlic coffee, a, garlic maybe. stretch. But then but, garlic but if, and chocolate, okay. But then, you know, garlic, too, depending on how you cook it, it right. actually can be very, very sweet. It actually can be 50 times sweeter than sugar. Mm-hmm. If you squish it and just get the oils out of it and use yeah. that, 
that could be and even like component. what size you cut it up because this the the finer the dice on your garlic the stronger the dish will be mm-hmm. more dissipation more service area right the idea of uh dropping the garlic into the food processor and giving it a whirl big time that's a or garlic press or overpowering garlic flavor mm. But then if you cook it really slow, mm-hmm. like a um, mojo de ajo, mm-hmm. where you cook it in olive oil, a little bit of oregano, but like really like the lowest possible flame or setting on your stove. Like what, 120 degrees? If that. Okay. And like for like we're talking four to six hours, and it actually just gets almost sticky, and it's really sweet. And then to put that over your French fries. I mean, Gordon mm. Biersch would be really onto something if they were to listen <laughs> to this show and do that. Well, there's people that have made garlic beer. Yes. And I actually made a garlic ice cream once for the Gilroy Garlic Fest. <laughs> Did you use that long It was slow? great with lasagna. Okay. By itself, By it itself. was a little funky. Well, well that's because the, you didn't have any tomato sauce to top it off. Well, and it's <laughs> interesting because how we perceive taste. I mean, and this is a whole discussion in itself, but to really stop and think about every time you try garlic, it's usually in a savory setting. Right. I mean, how often have you had, ooh, sweet garlic? Yeah, you know. Oh, stinking rose. Well, true. I mean, but that's, you know, a very specific restaurant that I haven't been there in years, actually. Yeah, but, but it's it's one of those places to take people. They're like, okay. And you're going to sweat and, garlic. Yeah, and you walk out <laughs> of there and you're like, You're going to stink uh, tomorrow. I've had more garlic than I've ever had. but it, And it's an overwhelming experience because they start you off with the the, the roasted garlics that you squish and put on the bread. Mm. And they're so sweet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's an addictive. It totally thing. is. It is like okay, I don't want to stop eating this. This is something I've never had before, and you want to keep. Uh, eating. I want to keep eating it. And it's actually good for you too. Oh yeah, yeah. It's one of the secrets to living forever. That and onions. Yeah, I agree. What's the other secret for living forever? Oh, garlic and onions. But is Beer. that it? <laughs> and don't run with scissors. And don't enjoy run your life. <laughs> <laughs> it could take your eye out. Exactly. No uh, shooting BB guns in the store. All right, where are we going now? Well, we've had salty. I think we go maybe with the pickles. Okay. Just for the record, I love pickles. These are good pickles, too. You can get these everywhere. I like, the, I like the boobies pickles. We don't have boobies pickles. I know. We have Claussens. Those are good, the, too. The, the stork, stork delivers those. The stork delivers Exactly. You get a baby, you get a pickle. <laughs> there you go. Now, what's also interesting, too, is that pickles are actually, with the lactic fermentation, they're actually fermented. It's like kimchi. Yes, exactly. You get the good or the, cheese. Good, the good bubbly kimchi that you can yes. tell has been sitting in some barrel buried someplace for God only knows how long. And you're like, okay, let's eat this. Yes. Thank you, sir. Of course. So I'm a I'm a fan of this pickle because it's not been um, it's not all sweet and it's not all uh, it's not all green. It's not, you know, it's like it's like super, super green, and uh, they're, they're not crun- soggy, and they're crunchy. No. They're not o- overly brined either. Mm-hmm. You know how some are like just like salt lick. It doesn't taste like super salt. No, and they're not actually of- overdone either because you can actually still taste that cucumber mm-hmm. finish. And cucumbers coming through. Which actually, with this beer, would actually probably be pretty good. Shall we try? Oh, I think so. Uh, wow, that's really nice. It's bringing out the coriander. Oh, it totally more. brings out the coriander. Yeah, 
The well, orange is it. almost non-existent no, now. The, yeah. There's no orange at all. It's all coriander. But you also get the wheat. You get that soft wheat mm. in the background. Uh-huh. And when I say in the background, it's... Way... But yeah, it's, it's, like it's a finish. It's right end. there at the end. It's right yeah. at, the, at the back, the back yeah. end. But yet it's kind of more on the tip of your tongue when it finishes. Mm, it's just that when I'm saying it's been finishing it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this chair. Damn Herman uh. Miller. <laughs> I wonder how many people have had a heart attack because their air on chair goes click. <laughs> I don't know. If there's an air on chair dealer who's listening to beer school, we'll send you beer if you send us the parts to fix the that. Little nylon, uh, the little nylon portion. It's a little piece about that big with notches. And I took mine out, turned around, stuck it in the other, about <laughs> that big. <coughs> and it just wears down. It's like, why wasn't it made out of metal? Okay, nice so you can't board. find Whit Creek in your local. Hugh Garden. And go to Hugh Garden. Um, Granted, it's, it's a now an InBev product, but... It's it's more available if you don't have a Trader Joe's in your in your town. Very true. Because they're not a whole lot of wits. I mean, you know, thank God for Peter Sellis. I mean, you know, right. he brought the beer back. You know, I mean, this would probably not be available commercially if he hadn't stepped to the plate and said, hey. Or it'd be one of those very strange little beers that is a micro market somewhere in, in, in Belgium that you find and you... Or, but even in or, Belgium, the sales actually really dropped. Or the or the, the brewers. The brewer, yeah. you know, like Jesse always talked about making a wit beer. Yeah. That would be good to see, you know, that at that certain brewery. Yeah. Um, so I know that the other breweries aren't going to make it. No, and maybe that certain brewery would do it in a can. Because I've always told Sean, if there was a barley wine in a can, oh, I'd God. drink it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. Their next beer in the can is uh, uh, Bitter American. That would work. They're going to get David Bowie to do the ad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Bitter American. <laughs> Evidently, we get to be on the uh, the can. That you know, that's that's just the rumor. That's just the rumor. How is Sean but I've teasing you guys? Yeah, that's Nico. Yeah, oh, Nico's Nico. Like, Nico likes this. Sean doesn't. Yeah, like Nico's us. like you. You thought this up. <laughs> you guys came up with the idea, and he was like, "My cranium, my cranium!" Like you know, he's so so in love with the idea, and so he's like, "Okay, you get to be on the can." I'm like, "All right." Like, Wearing red, white, and blue. Like that's gonna happen. <laughs> Ooh, look at that head. Oh, it's beautiful. It's one thing that I always like about a wit. It has that just that beautiful, soft, lacy Belgium lace. But yet it's it's so delicate. You can see that ball of conditioning of fine work. We had uh, Duval on the uh, show another last good week. one. And that was a sadly in the wrong glass. There is a big difference with glassware, I'm gonna say. I just got back from Belgium, I was there for two weeks and Man, just not only was it the right glass, but those guys can really pour a beer. They yeah. really take a lot of art and and uh, just pride in really pouring that perfect beer. We were at uh, Dre's Fontaine, um, a Lambic uh, brewery, and one of the brothers was riddling it kind of in his hand as he was pouring. And it was just – it was very impressive to watch. He didn't spill it. Well, actually, he purposely spilled some just to uh, get the right pour going. A little bit for his homies. No. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I almost think for that flora, you know. Yeah. Keep that stuff in the air, but uh, very good. Interesting that this is a repeat beer on the show. 
Who Garden. Oh, it is? Yeah, we had oh. this. Uh, this was on. Uh, now, what's the color of this beer, though? Epiphany and now. Yeah, we don't have the Pantone book. We don't have the Pantone book. Probably one of the professionals in the other room is utilizing it. Yes, the, uh, the new uh, graphic designer. Ah. It's his book now. It's his book. Yeah. Have you lost it? I have a true match book at home that I won. That's not the same thing. I know. What's <laughs> also interesting about this beer in comparison to the first beer, it's a lot more um, coriander, but there's almost a hint of like cumin in the back. You get a little bit more complexity, but there yeah, is I, a nice soft oranginess to it, that uh, citrus orange kind citrus of. Citrus orange. It's fizzier. It is, it is fizzier. And it's not quite as cloudy as it should be. It's because we didn't shake up the bottle first. That's true. <laughs> didn't pour the whole bottle into the into the glass. And that's get the other thing. Yeast. You kind of yes. have to do that. Yeah, that was my fault. Um, all right, chip maybe. Just to see what it brings just out. Just to see what it brings out. Yeah. No, just because there are chips here. But this is another thing too. Is is that you know whether you have these particular food items in front of you or these particular beers, which I do recommend everybody try. But um, to really just stop and think about what you're tasting. You know, it's so funny because with our fast food attitude in the U.S. and 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 what and how we consume food, to stop and really think about what is passing over your lips and over your tongue right. and down your throat and enjoy it. it makes, Salt, salty fries with sticky coke. It makes me Whoa. really. Yeah, <laughs> it makes me really sad that a lot of people don't taste the food that they're about to eat, and they dump. It's like and go. It's like this. No, race. well, even worse is they dump ketchup all over the top. Oh, yes. Remember yeah. as a kid, there was that um, Don't Drown Your Food, that uh, ABC, uh, what was it, uh, the after-school special oh, yeah. or the little thing that they would do, little Time with jingles. Timer. Yeah, and it was just, I always thought that was funny. Don't Drown Your Food. I don't remember that one. Yeah, a little animated thing. We'll find it's it on. somewhere. Somewhere. The intern will find it. Yes. yes. No yes. intern today. <laughs> She'll get right on that. So <laughs> she will, yeah, exactly. Um. But, you know, basically it's high fructose corn syrup with red dye number four and a wee bit of uh, tomato. Yes. And uh, salsa. Salsa. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of salsa. Oh, there we go. But uh, it is interesting, too, because to really stop and think about, you know, the slow food movement and, you know, the idea of getting back to where, you know, your food is and where it's coming from and who makes it and how they make it. And um, it's a very interesting. uh, That you can see that it's being made someplace. Well, yeah. And then also, who are you supporting? I mean, are you supporting some conglomerate, you know, who doesn't make it any better than the person down the street. And yeah, you might pay an extra dollar or two more, but you know, there's something to be said when you get, you know, something close and local and you know where your money's actually going. Well it's like uh, if I want something fast, I live close to Chinatown, you go in one of the little places Ooh, and do something. There you go. And you, at the counter you just go three of those. And you think about that too, <laughs> like how much work all that stuff is. But yet yeah. it's just so good. Opening a container of salsa. Not just any salsa, salsa by the but way. a fire-roasted red salsa. It's like this candy. Is, this is local, this product. It is. Another local product. Yes, it is. We actually have quite a few local products here. Beautiful San Francisco, California. Ooh. They make it from the remains of the uh, sourdough, <laughs> which is our grown-in fields all over the city. So the chips are from Mission, um, and... Uh, they're basically, you know, tortilla chips. The thing that's <clears throat> that I like about these is that 
It's uh, ground corn with uh, treated with lime. I guess that would be a lime, not with the lime. Lime. Yeah. Just stuff uh, used for concrete. <laughs> Water, mm. vegetable oil. That's a good starch to it, doesn't it? <laughs> and salt. Very simple. Very simple. There is no trans fats in this. And but where's the red dye or the yellow dye number four? I don't know. Don't have it. Oh, bummer. When I was in school, one of my um, one of my professors was state art architect um, in the Jerry Brown administration. Oh, cool! And he, he tells the story of uh, sitting in the governor's office waiting to talk to him one day, and these people come in, and uh, it's when Pringles first came on the market, <laughs> and they said, um, "You have to ban the sales of these. These are horrible. Everything about them is bad." Uh, what can you do for us? You, you, we just can't have these sold in the state. Jerry Brown looks at him and goes, but I like them. <laughs> <laughs> the coriander really comes out. Yeah, with the salsa. salsa. Yeah, it's kind of nice. It's the a, cilantro nice, and the coriander, uh, all, all that same plant, just, brings it together. Mm, it makes the... It's interesting how it would, how a product from Belgium would interact with a product that is from essentially Mexico? considered Mexican. Yeah. And also a set of flavors that are not... Your uh, standard northern European, yeah, not northern European at all. Although there is peppers in northern European, and northern. tomatoes are now you know not as much in Belgium. Um, they don't use a ton of tomatoes there, but um, it is interesting to think about too how you know our old travelers with big boats and what they would bring back, and the idea of uh, what uh, is now a global economy, you know, because of that. So coming back with tomatoes. I mean, just how much that changed the landscape, and even potatoes. Mm-hmm. You know, no, even the opening of the uh, the EU. Oh, I yeah. was in Europe with um, some friends, and one of my friends uh, been there for a while in college. And uh, she goes, "Now you go to the market, and you, the market in Germany, you can find a lot of stuff that's all out of Spain. Yeah, that was never, you know, you would never find it in a German market previously. So the only so- thing that really wasn't there was avocados, because we were trying to figure out if you could do Mexican food in Germany." And the avocados. Avocado in Germany, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Those would have to be shipped a long way. Yeah. They don't ship like that over there. Yeah. Which and is I probably don't know a good that the thing. avocado actually travels that well. <laughs> well, if you pick them green enough. Yeah. But you know, it's funny too, because if you buy them that green, and when that, by the time they're, they're finally they're, ripe, they're wee. They're small. They're not only small, and you'll always be able to tell because the pits are smaller, mm-hmm. but they really just don't have a whole lot of flavor. No, they need to have. They need to be on the vine. They need yeah. to actually develop and be in the sun. And that California sunshine has to be that way. I tell you, I love it when uh, the avocados are in season. You just make fresh guacamole, oh. which is a lime, some salt, and you squish the avocados in. Give it a shot of tequila. <laughs> there you go. Really, no. and then put it over salmon, like grilled salmon. Ooh, over grilled salmon, oh, nice. Yeah. So, which tequila? Um, well, a anything with a, a uh, actually, I usually prefer an anejo. Okay. Um, I think they always have a little bit more, as long as it's not anything with starting with a Jose mm-hmm. and ending with a certain other uh, last name that uh, really has more. All right. Well, I'm going to defend caramel colors. I'm defend Jose and the and the last <clears throat> name for just a second. Okay. Because if you buy their their higher end products, 
They're hundred percent blue agave yes. product. And I have a bottle of that at home. It's not bad. I mean it's, it's a, okay. It's okay. I would say that it's probably a good But there's a whole bunch tequila. of well but at, for what they charge for. Right. You can like buy, the eighteen hundred or that other high end uh the family uh oh, well family reserve yeah. is actually very good. It's good. The one that's in the Mexican. I have a bottle at home. Yeah, if nice. you come up I'll I have a full bar in my garage okay. and and 15 uh, different beers on, and uh, <laughs> guacamole coming I guess salmon. I'm living in your yes. garage for a weekend. <laughs> uh, people have been in my garage, and they whipped out their phones to, like, I got to really show this to the wife. And <laughs> I was very touched and inspired by that. So. We did a show called What's in Nico's Fridge. I, I remember that show. That was we'll actually, have, we'll have you had some it. nice stuff. Because actually, it was funny because um, I have a bottle of 1990 Thomas Hardy. Mm. And I have the 94 and the 96. And um, it was really fun to just to hear you guys drink it because I'm like, okay, I, I, I have that patience a little bit more now because I've been holding on to that bottle for way well, too long. Right, but now you know that it's possibly going to be really worth the wait. Oh, I know it is. It's just a matter of, and actually I'm trying to get together a bunch of friends that actually we can complement and actually do a vertical tasting. But uh, in a way, it almost seems like a waste to have it all at once, and then it's all gone. We got a we got a great show in the works that's still a secret to the listeners. So I can tell you afterwards, we're going to do a vertical to end all verticals. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a it's a vertical that nobody else would touch with a fifty foot pole. Nope, <laughs> it's the uniquest vertical that's ever been vertical. <laughs> I got thirty years of bud. <laughs> 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 I got a this can beer. is still rusty, <laughs> but it's. It, I it got was, botulism does beer, from. Does it was beer the, taste better with a pull tab? <laughs> it was the stain. It's the not the stainless, just the steel can. Yeah. Ooh, remember the for a while the cans uh, when they were the trying to pull get rid tabs? of the pull tab before. I think it was Coors or somebody. You just push the top in with your finger. Oh, I remember that. It and there just was like a big like hole in a little hole. Yeah. And if your finger is the wrong size, you just chew your finger up because yeah. it goes straight into the can. Yeah, exactly. So a couple of things about this salsa. Um, it's not brutally hot. No, it's a good balance. It's nice. It's not on fire. And that roasted tomato, like w- when they fire roasted tomato, um, you know, if you ever have coals going for a barbecue, just toss in some tomatoes. And for about three to five minutes and uh, – the outside skin will char, but it's actually good because you just kind of squeeze out the inside because you really don't even need the outside. Mm-hmm, right. And you get this wonderful, lush, rich, smoky, almost um, uh, caramelization has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a richer, stronger tomato flavor. Um, yeah, this is a really, really nice good. brown flavor with the salsa. Yeah. It's and really a brown nice. color. Very nice. And it's not wrecking mine. It's not wrecking my tongue for the beer. Well, because the heat's not too bad. Right. But also there's a little bit of cilantro in there, and it really brings out that coriander flavor as well. The, uh, you know, the the manufactured salsa, where it's hot, hotter, hottest. Uh-huh. The hottest, I, you know, I used to be, I like this. And then as I've grown up, I've decided that I don't want a, a super hot. Kill your taste buds. Kill my taste buds. Kind Break of out in a sweat. Yeah, that's not good. It can be for it those can, well for those that. pepperheads out there, but um, yeah, those salsas don't really have a whole lot of interesting characters and extra dimensions. It's like very linear. You taste it; that's all you're going to taste. It's ketchup with spice. It's ketchup <laughs> with a lot of spice. But here's a good actually thing. So, which has more calories, a Hershey's Kiss or a teaspoon of Heinz ketchup? Obviously, a teaspoon of Heinz ketchup because you're asking the question. Bing! 
Yeah, no, it's a teaspoon of Heinz ketchup because it's there's uh, so much sugar in there. There's so much sugar in it. It's basically all sugar. Yeah. Whereas the chocolate, where the Hershey's, Hershey's Kiss, is uh, it's got some cocoa. It's mm-hmm. got some. Uh, it's got a milk product around it. Yeah. Um, and it's got probably eighteen percent sugar. Uh, depending. I mean, it is Hershey's, so it's you right. know it, it's more. It's not as pure, but uh, but yeah, I always think that's very interesting. Where's our next beer, sir? Next beer. Oh yes, we do yeah. need another beer. A salami beer. It's either the salami beer or the wing beer. Ah. Ah. Why didn't they go to this uh, brewery one in uh, Sideways? That's a good question. Well, it wasn't Hatso. Because I think their motel was uh, right down the street from the brewery. It, it is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's that, there's that brewery as well, the actual brew pub. Where's their... Uh... Their actual main uh, distribution is actually out of um, Paso Robles. This is okay. uh, Firestone Walker. Uh, Matt Brundelson made this beer. It's the uh, the double barrel uh, ale, which is kind of an English bitter. Um, but they actually ferment at one of the very, I think, if only in the U.S., on a union system. So they basically have about... 30 barrels and they're heavy toast um, American oak 60 gallon barrels that um, they ferment the beer in so you've all heard of these barrel aged beers this isn't actually barrel aged it's barrel fermented wow yeah and they are very uh, it's a very troublesome beer to make but they really go the extra distance to do it and um, I think it's really it's a great beer with food it's uh, the oak does come through a little bit. It has a nice malty um, hint of hop that actually it's more of a spicy kind of hop finish agree. to it. Yeah. And uh, but uh, all together with that oak, and you get almost like a little bit of tannins on the side <coughs> of your tongue. It almost kind of dries out the beer a little bit, especially being that English style. It really works really well with food. It's actually a very fun beer to cook with too. On my website, I have a recipe for a lamb shepherd's pie that uses this beer. And it really brings out a whole other, le- excuse me, uh, layer of flavor that uh, a lot of other beers just don't have because of the wood and using the wood and and how that really transcends not only just the beer but into the food. I like the way that it ends. Yeah, it's it's uh, what is it that I'm tasting? It's almost like it gets sour at the end. Mm-hmm. Almost a little bit of mineral. Yep. Yeah, like the uh, like the bass ale in a way. And actually, I think that's a little bit of the uh, the the toasted and roasted malts at the end. Mm-hmm. A little bit of color there. It has a nice dark color. I don't know. Yeah. They might also be messing with the water to get the. Uh, oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, the Burton on Trent. Yeah. Now, why is it a problem in the to ferment in? Well, one is when they do this, they're doing it at a commercial scale. Mm -hmm. And so they have like 30 barrels, you know, all kind of on these racks. And they actually have to test each barrel and each batch as far as to make sure that there's no infection. Um, So there's a primary that started about two, three days in a stainless steel tank. And then they rack it into 
these barrels and they let it sit there for about six to seven days. And uh, then from there, it uh, is all put into a bright tank where it's all blended. But they have to test it first because, you know, if there wasn't an infection or anything else, it would, it, the whole batch. It would exactly transcend everything. And it just makes it a little bit more difficult um, where they could just leave it in one tank. They don't have to rack anything. They don't have to fill anything. Um, and then I think they do blend a little bit of uh, regular beer into it because it is pretty oaky. And the wooden, uh, the wooden wine barrels would be the actual barrel size. That would be a two regular size kegs, or is it a greater well, volume? Well, it's than the that? sixty gallon uh, barrels. Right. So, so that's, a, that's a barrel size. And yeah. The keg so it'd being be about half of that. So yeah. So it'd be actually sort of four kegs. At a commercial level, you're taking your beer and putting it into 30 of these barrels. It's yeah. a lot of hassle instead of one gigantic stainless Big tank. time. And then also, too, they let it sit there a little bit longer. They're not turning it over quite as fast. Um, barrels themselves are, you know, between three and $500 a piece. They use them for about 30 weeks, and then they kind of end um, the cleaning regimen on the barrels. They have to steam clean them and, you know, between each batch, you know, versus uh, – a conical or a bright tank where it's pretty straightforward. Right. Um, so there's a lot of extra pieces to it, and especially, you know, with uh, there's no temperature control. Right. Um, you know, there's so no glycol wrapped barrels. So it's all kept in the cellar, and you're hoping the ambient temperature. It's not even a the- cellar, it's right in the brewery. So oh, if you really? ever go down there, Matt really gives a great tour and uh, really good guy, and he's uh, just won some recent awards at uh, the. Crap beer fest and really does some great stuff. And this, they're using the wooden barrels just for the the wood. It's not like other breweries that do barrel aged beers where they're using a lot like whiskey barrels or stuff like this. Yeah, this is These just are raw, original, raw, first use. Yeah, they're heavy toast, but still they're not like yeah, and they are first use, so you really get that wood character. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 only in there for about a week, so it's not overly oaked. <coughs> But yet it does add a nice complexity. And also what's kind of fun about this, too, is is that he's used these barrels um, in the Firestone Walker 10 that they did, which was 10 different barrel-aged beers blended together with the help of a couple local vintners. That was just an absolutely incredible beer. It's also interesting that they're doing this in the brewery in Paso Robles because Paso Robles today plus 100. Oh, yeah, totally. And I'm sure that the brewery is probably not air-conditioned. Uh, no. So this stuff could be fermenting in wooden barrels at 100 degrees if they're doing it. I don't know if it's seasonal when they do it. But the summer in Paso Robles is it's hot, hot and nasty. Yeah, it's very hot. And also to think about, too, to do this on a commercial scale when they pump out as much beer as they pump out, it's very impressive because uh, he has a 150-barrel uh, tank that uh, I think that's his bright tank. And uh, let me huge. tell you. It's giganto. It, uh, you look at it, and you're just like, wow. Remember on the tour, it was actually kind of funny. He's like, yeah, this holds a 150 <laughs> barrels. And I'm, lo- like, I'm like, yeah, I just racked five gallons the other day. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, I mean. I mean, that's, that's, that's 10 to 20 times the scale of most micros. Totally. That if you go down to your corner brew pub, it's 714. Right. You know, that's and, 150. You know, and I'll the fact that that's like twenty times, and the fact that this is kind of one of the things that they, the owners, really wanted to do. And at first, Matt was um, he was telling me the story about how he's like, ah, I don't really want to do this beer, and then, you know, he didn't really have the choice, and so he had to do it. And now that he's done it, he won't have done it any other way. Right. And he so appreciated the whole process because you know in England they still do this, and he showed me some pictures of uh, a few of the other breweries that still do the same technique and you know it's almost that 
heritage of a beer and that kind of you know respect of the style and and those little nuances and the fact that these are you know this brewery is the only place really in the U.S. that does this. I think it makes it really a fun and unique beer, something not we'll your standard. To, we'll have to go see it. It's a good field trip. Field trip to South. Yeah, so because they make a lot of beers down there. The salami that was going with this beer oh. is uh, Columbus salami. Local which salami. Is local salami made in uh, <laughs> South San Francisco. Not that we're in the Castro, but it's local meat. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, Sorry, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> The this place, this their home office used to be uh, a block from uh, right over right yeah. like two blocks from here. Yeah, and uh, on this on the uh, it's still there. The sign still there. The sign is still there. But the but the, the unique thing was is on the door it says we do not give tours. This is an <laughs> office building. There's nothing to see here. Please yeah. walk through. <laughs> <laughs> it was like please you know nothing to you know, keep going right. Have you ever made salamis? That seems to be one of the new. I'm actually working on. I yeah, things I've been, to do in the culinary world. It is um, because partly, you know, partially it's it's getting back to where food comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually been making my own bacon at home. Um, I've done about six different kinds of bacon now, and let me tell you, if you like bacon, <laughs> it's really the way to go <laughs> because you can flavor it however you want to flavor it. Uh, I did one that was a Hefeweizen lemon verbena. <laughs> I wow. did a honey fennel. I just did one actually for uh, Fred Eckhart that was uh, malt cured. So I actually took malt extract mm-hmm. and <clears throat> excuse me, um, a little bit of water with uh, curing salts and a little bit of sugar and regular salt. And, you- uh, and then... You cure it for about um, seven to ten days, and then you rinse that off, and you actually just in a plastic Ziploc bag. Mm-hmm. And then um, you can either smoke it uh, and actually put it into your smoker, pick what kind of wood you want to use, keep it about 180, 200 degrees, or throw it in your oven and cook it for about two hours at about 180 degrees mm-hmm. until the internal temperature is about 150. And at that point, you just let it cool, take off the actual skin, and uh, then you can slice it up and do it like your best BLT. Or what I did is I actually cubed it up and um, caramelized it because it actually cooks a little bit different since there's none of all the other chemicals and whatnot. Um, And you have a little higher sugar content, or you can actually adjust it depending on what you want to do. And I actually did a play on bacon and eggs, and I did a bacon, caramelized bacon chunks into a egg ice cream. (laughs) And uh, it was actually really fun because... uh, Caramelized bacon chunks into egg ice cream. And it was actually because you got that saltiness, but you got that little bit of sweetness from the malt. And then with, you know, I used twice as many eggs, so I used a dozen eggs into a batch of ice cream without really adjusting the sugar. Mm-hmm. And um, just as a little intermezzo in between a course, and it was mm-hmm. just kind of a little fun, you know, like, okay, this is really eggy, bacon but it's cold. <laughs> and then you get this great bacon little chunks, and it was kind of fun. He's raising the bar for the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing we have food here, or else we'd be really hungry. Exactly. We'd be talking about it. So all you guys listening out there, we apologize. There's well, a disclaimer. 
the homework is going to be really easy this week. Yeah. <laughs> Bacon and egg ice cream. Bacon yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's also it's it's stopping you know and not just thinking about how taste and flavors, but also you know what kind of things do you like? You know, um, a lot of chefs play up little basic concepts and little puns and little plays off things, and uh, it's always kind of fun to see. You know, I was at the French Laundry, and uh, Thomas Keller did a dish that he called um, his tongue and cheek, and uh, it is actually it <laughs> was uh, uh, beef cheeks and lamb tongue, and he took uh, the tongue and he actually made it like a pastrami, and beef cheeks uh, they might sound weird, but it's like the best pot roast you've ever had in your life. <coughs> wow. And he did that, and he basically made a Reuben uh, between the two as far as the <laughs> textures, and then. This nice little rye bread, and it was like the absolutely perfect Reuben, and it was like that is really tasty. Just don't want to think about exactly where it, it came from. Well, it oh. tastes you first, but right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're going to run up to a cow and take a big bite out of it, think of the most. What would be the most savory place to bite the cow? Not on the tail. <laughs> <laughs> Not the ass. Nope. I was out for dinner on Monday night in the restaurant I was at. One of the choices was uh, grilled lamb organs, and they were out. First they said, "Uh, I think we're out of hearts. Can you substitute something else for the hearts? Came back, oh, we're all out. They ate all the organs. There's something to be said if they're done right. Usually they said they get their their lamb on Monday, and they didn't get it Monday, and so they were out. Bummer. Yes. But yeah, this beer with the salami, though, it's kind of fun because... um, the dryness of the oak that it imparts, and then, you know, salami kind of has that little bit of fat, grease, little hint. It actually plays off it, so it's you're not left with, you know, kind of... It's not dry on dry. No. But it actually, it's there's a balance. You're not left with that um, too greasy of an after flavor, which just kind of cuts it. How's the wing doing it for you, John? <laughs> <laughs> Herman Miller must die. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> See, mine doesn't click that much because it's so worn down now. You just sort of get it in one place, then all of a sudden it goes. Kring. Why don't they sell the replacement part? Because they made all their money off the, the, these chairs when they were originally $1,600 a piece. Then they should have sold the replacement part. Yeah. But that would be sustainable. But that's our society, John. It is. Well, we are a just, you know, disposable society. Exactly. I'm going to pair another pickle with... Uh, I'm going to say that the wings that I chose are not very good. Well, thank you for uh, putting that disclaimer out there right now. <laughs> um, they Are they bready? No, they're really too sweet. Oh, sweet wings. Yeah, they're not... They're not the, the sauce is not good. The sauce is not good. And it good. looks like it's steroid chicken, too. It's, uh, it's I just, doubt this was free range, yes. No, it's not free range. And uh, no, the texture of the meat's fine. It's just that I'm not, I'm not fond. It's not doing anything for the beer. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, the beer's not doing anything for it. Uh-oh. So I'm going to say that don't, um, to not try the wings. Save yourself. Save ourselves. I think I'll be able to restrain myself. Go, go with the pickle. One of my favorite chicken places. You ever or go to Garibaldi? No. Uh, they're, uh, they, they used to be right in North Beach. They opened in North Beach, and they opened a place in Mill Valley. Um, and they had the gigantic Italian-made oh, rotisseries. Rotisserie. Oh. And I love all sorts of chicken. And this was, especially it was the go-to takeout place. Um, 
go down there, get the chicken, and they had the roasted, um, sort of, not roasted, sort of like stewed roasted tomatoes, or uh, potatoes, and um, usually char charred to go with it. Ooh, I like good charred. And just absolutely great chicken, but then they uh, they decided they were going to spend their time full-time in the suburbs of beautiful Mill Valley, and they closed down their North Beach place, but the chicken Mary Ferris meal is still in there. Probably why I haven't been there because I actually live in Sonoma, so okay. it's a little bit more of a drive for me to go all the way down for dinner in the city. Yeah, but every once in a while. Where's your local besides your garage? My local beer, uh, beer yeah. bar. Yeah, actually the Sonoma Wine Exchange. Dan, uh, they're not really open late at night, mm -hmm. but um, he always has uh, something from Russian River there. Usually something from Moonlight. Um, sometimes something from. Hair of the Dog, and a lot of just local stuff. And um, he actually had a keg of uh, Perot that was, like, fresh, like, wow. off the boat. And that's a beer that sometimes, to me, has a very solventy kind of after flavor. Yeah. I had two pints, and I was just – I couldn't have been happy. Actually, two glasses. And it was actually in the right glassware, which really helps. But um, sitting there, and it was just an epiphany about how good a beer is when it's fresh versus uh, – Old, stale, been under fluorescent lights for a long time. Mm. Mm. I'm making everybody thirsty out and the there, wine, I'm sure. And the wine exchange is on the east side of the square, right? On the east side of the square, right uh, about three doors down from the Sebastiani Theater. Okay. Um, yeah, really kind of a fun place. And uh, for you beer geeks out there, it's a good place to get some really fun beers, too. So it's like city beer, but in Sonoma. Uh, yeah, and they actually have wine, though, too. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Um, Hence the name Wine Exchange. Exactly. I know it's it's a surprise, a it's a shocker, but it's actually kind of fun because um, one of the little uh, inside things is that you go there and you're actually usually drinking wine or beers with uh, winemakers because you're so sick of wine at the end of the day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they want to reset and have something else. To Pretty do. much. They need some carbonation. They need something with a little bit more uh, flavor. Then you roll down the road to Train Town. Definitely right down the street. Yeah, Train Town's great. It is Train Town. Uh, we did Festival to Motor there uh, for I think, God, probably my thirty second birthday. Mm -hmm. It's uh, I forget what scale they are, but they're actual steam trains that are about this big. You get to wow. ride on, and I've been going there since I was just a little kid, and um, it's about a fifteen minute ride around this thing that would put Disneyland to shame because somebody built it themselves. It's like the the slow amusement park movement. Is uh, is Train Town? It's just amazing little trains and uh, the way the trees have grown in. I remember, yeah, they have it all kind of manicured and it's kind of like mini scale. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's really cool. So two things to do if you're up in Sonoma: you can go to the wine exchange and go to Train Town. Of the many other things you do up there. Yeah. All right, we have another bag of kettle chips. These are the buffalo. These are the crinkle cuts. These are both Ooh. different texture and different flavor. Yeah. So unlike the other Getting ones, which are, which are just salted, these have a flavor, and they're called Buffalo Blue. And it says a touch of fire, a touch of ice. Tricky. Wow. Smell them. Yeah. That's uh, um, nice. Smells like buffalo color. wings. Yeah. This is the diesel, diesel, This is the flavor that I wanted. Diesel put your buffalo wings to shame. This is the flavor that I wanted in the buffalo wings that we got in a chip instead. That was pretty good. It's a nice little blue finish. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed. Yeah. That's what those should have tasted like. 
Evidently, these are the winners, the winner of the uh, the beta test chips. Oh, really? The five pack. Yeah, this was the one that everybody loved. This is really tasty. That's like a little uh, spicy, but not too spicy. A little warm kind of heat to it, and then it kind of finishes out with that blue cheese. The old uh, powerhouse now, brewing. We, we should save that blue cheese for the next beer. Oh, it's really good. Oh, I bet <laughs> it is. The old powerhouse brewing in Sebastopol used to have oh, really good wings. I miss that place. With they the, had well, some it, of the best It's reopened as a brewery, and I haven't been back there since it's reopened. But was it the same owners? I don't think so. Because I remember we went on a pub crawl up there, and out of all the breweries we went to, including, like, Anderson Valley, uh-huh. those guys were making just phenomenal, phenomenal beers, and it was a total funky little location. Yeah. And, Really good right in the too. middle or the side of the dining room. Yeah. But they had the best wings. The the sort of like garlic and onion tossed. I never had their wings. Oh, their wings their awesome. wings were because it was nothing it was no goopy sauce. It was it was um, garlic and onions and maybe some uh, some chili in the oil. Delicious. So they didn't use uh the wing sauce with butter and, and toss it in there. So I've done a couple of wing recipes that I like a lot. One of them is uh is uh, teriyaki orange. Mm-hmm. So basically, you take a, a a whole orange, put it in the food processor, spin it up with the peel and the whole thing. You know, don't totally. It's like then, sangria. Yeah, and then um, the teriyaki sauce, and then you have to let the wings basically ferment in this stuff for a day. That sounds good. And then the so other version is soaks all the way through. Yeah, soaks all the way through. Gets it really. It really makes the chicken taste like. Like the sauce mm-hmm. all the way through, and then the other version is uh, what I call fuking hot wings, <laughs> <laughs> and that is uh, you take a bottle of tapatia. Mm. Okay, okay. Well, so there's where the heat comes from. Totally, uh, <laughs> but take, not too much heat. No, not too much heat. Then you take uh, a, a ginger, about you know, an inch, two and a half inches of, and uh, lemon and garlic. Hmm. That sounds then, good. And then that's all spun together, and then you get this, uh, you get this burn and this cool. I bet. And, and the ginger too yeah. would be kind of a nice. Yeah, that's where the cool comes from. And it's nice. Just, it's just a really, uh, and that has to sit for a day. Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. Or, or longer if you can, if you can stand it. But the idea is, is that you know you take them to a, um, you take them to, the party. You have the two different kinds of wings: half on this side of the grill, half on that side of the grill. And they actually, you can put them on the plate at the end, and you can tell the difference because these are orange and these are red. Ah, that sounds good. And uh, it's a it's a great way of making them. Um, the thing was is that I used to do this thing with a uh, that was sake. I think would be good. Oh yeah, add yeah. a dash of sake in there, mm-hmm. or um, the uh, Japanese uh, rice wine, the the, the sweet uh, Marion. Mm-hmm. A little bit of that too. That'd be really nice. Mm. The idea, though, is that you can get these parts anywhere. And the whole secret is the food processor. Totally. Spinning it up. <laughs> Ooh, I'm getting dizzy. And tapatio. <clears throat> it's got to be tapatio because different, different hot sauces have different characters. Yeah, and this one time. you want. It's a, this one's hot, but not, not too, too much vinegar, though. Right, not yeah. too much vinegar. Had and I don't balance. add any, you know, I'm, are you, like That's I said. a nice used, little variation there, John. I, I used to, to try do this. That. <laughs> that could be homework. <laughs> it's homework. Well, I, and you might have to put that recipe online. I will put this at recipe online. The uh, Fuking Hot Wings. Yes. It's F-O-O-K. Now, is that uh, copyrighted? It is now. 
Since I know that you have your patent team. His his robot is registering the domain right now as we speak. Yes. (laughs) 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 It's a good way to go. Do you have a wing recipe that you like? Um, I actually, um, I used to work at Whole Foods, and uh, we did ours where we would kind of steam the wings about halfway done, and uh, then we would take them out and put them on a sheet tray, and I'm sure that this is patented, but I'll still share it. Um, And you basically take equal parts of uh, soy sauce or tamarind, Mm -hmm. um, not tamarind, um, tamari, and uh, honey. Mm. And uh, kind of just with a pastry brush, just kind of dab them on and throw them in about a 450-degree oven. And just as they're starting to get kind of caramelized and kind of sticky, you pull mm. them out. Another quick uh, hit, throw them in for just another few seconds just to dry it up real quick. And then um, black and white sesame seeds. Ah. And it's just that perfect salty, sweet mm-hmm. uh, blend. Again, getting back to flavors and tastes and right. stuff. and. You just get enough salt and you get enough sweetness, and um, then you get that caramelization, and then you get the chicken and the t- those little sesame seeds in there. It was kind of fun. That's uh, that's a good way to go. Very traditional, simple, clean. Mm-hmm. The steaming them is actually going to make them get done quicker. It does, and yeah. so that way they're not you know you don't because have to worry about it. You, you can you, bake you, them for a long time and then at the, like the last fifteen twenty minutes start putting on this. Right. This glaze because if you put it on early and you marinate in it, you'll actually burn it. Right. So. Well, I'm putting my my wings right on the grill. Oh well, that's yeah. You know, and so that's a good way just, to do. It. You know, it's just we would do them in mass quantities. Right. Yeah. So well, this isn't so massive a quantity. Yeah. It's five pound bag. That's still a lot. That's that's a good amount. Yeah. That's a good wing. But that's a good party. Them. Everyone eats them. They're like, there's not one wing left. That's uh, no little winglets. Unlike left these wings that no one's going to eat. I was going to say. <laughs> I don't know if you can feed those to the dog. That's okay. He's trying to kill me again. I don't know. The worst five bucks I ever spent. I'm not even going to call them out. They're so bad. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah. Um. Do, you, do you make the call and say, you know, I kind of feel like I well, just... Well, you know uh, what? Because no, we're dirty whores and we're all looking for something. Much, you know, to, no, to, we've had all these... Motor. Things. Whoa. <laughs> we've, had, we've had all these amazing things so far. And I wondered when he walked in in, in a garter belt and <laughs> a G-string. Uh, just because I've been walking around town wearing the same shirt yeah. for, since, I, since I got it made, you know, come on. <laughs> That shirt is everywhere. It's even on Brookston. I know. I know. I saw that. That was kind of funny. With uh, yeah, that was good. I look twice the size of my pouring mate, probably because I am in that photo. (laughs) It's my usual sort of drunken beer festival. Hi, small woman around my side like this. (laughs) Well, we did. um, We did. uh, How many big women are there? We did cut out her secret identity. I know. Good. the what interesting do you think thing beer? about this is I've heard about this beer, and I never got it because I just thought it was a gigantic, massive bourbon-age, yeah. bourbon barrel thing. This is I like nice. This. I appreciate this. This is nice. Yeah. It goes and well with the chips. What's nice, too, is this, it's not high in alcohol. It's it's a good – you can drink this beer for a long time because it actually has a lot more character. There's a lot more complexity to it because of the wood. Yeah. And then it's also nice, too, because um, – it's it's very food friendly. It's not overly hopped. It's not too sweet. It's that perfect like blend of you know stuff, malt hops, wood. It's and it's a nice malt because I'm not a big malty fan usually. Um, and this is this is nice. No, this is more the these. This would be good on the pale of pails. This would have been well gone well with the pale. Although of it's pails. a little bit darker than the usual. 
It is a little darker. But it's not a pale, really. It's a, I mean, it's more of a bitter. Yeah. In style. But uh, the other beer that I brought you guys that uh, for your next show, that one. Mm. I'm looking forward to that beer. You should. And it's fresh. So The next show. Bum, the bum, next bum. show. The next show, uh, evidently. So we have Are a, we doing one Sunday? I think so. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure that we are. We have a, a car full of beer from Wisconsin on its way. Oh, oh bummer. Yeah. 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 New Glarus, the, the I, entire yes. flight. Oh, bummer. Uh, fresh. In that new stone one that they're doing? I haven't had it yet. Yeah, yeah and then, the new stone one. Oh, there. man. Ooh. Yeah. Monday night I was out with somebody who I did not expect to go. Yeah, I had this really good beer when I was like back east. Do you know where I can get that? <laughs> yeah, I have like, uh, some right over there. <laughs> I'm like, it's the it's yeah. the holy grail of. Uh, it's a great beer. Yeah, yeah, they do some wonderful stuff. I must say. So we're I'm excited about that because it's alchemy, I think. And then we're gonna have this uh, I would Sean agree. Paxton guy. Oh, he's here. <laughs> <laughs> he's here. <laughs> well, so then the intern isn't. Uh, no intern. She's do you have out. any um, uh, the bells coming out? Yes. Because uh, Bells is actually just releasing their uh, Expedition uh, Stout, their Imperial Stout. I don't think we're getting that. But they actually just released it on a bourbon barrel. Ooh. Wow. Wow. Anybody who's had this beer, um, it is just an epiphany of of, uh, an Imperial Stout. It's just roasty, toasty, malty, sweet, perfectly hopped. And the idea of popping that in a barrel, especially with bourbon. Actually, I just got a bourbon barrel. I got to start playing with that. So. <laughs> How big? Uh, Fifty-five gallon. That's a big one. Well, actually, Matt gave me one of his uh, Union barrels. Um, after about thirty weeks, they're kind of done with them, mm-hmm. and I actually have a twelve percent barley wine that uh, has filled it, and uh, <laughs> and sitting there, it's been sitting there for about a month and a half, and. In about another eight, nine months, we'll try it and see how it is. That'll be exciting. It will be very exciting. Anytime you say that, oh, yeah, I got some barley wine in my garage. <laughs> 60 gallons. I don't, yes. have a, I don't have a garage with barley wine in it. Yeah. Well, I tried to bring twice and realized my friends at the time brewed a lot better, and I was living in a studio at the time. And also realized, yeah, you're right, you need to have like a place that you can hose out. It Carpet in a brewery, it's not Doesn't a really good work. combo. No. no. But it's possible to brew. It's just not. Yes. But a patio, a patio, driveway. Yeah. Outside, a garage. A, a sidewalk. <laughs> kind of like a lemonade stand, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take five bucks now for a beer later. It's okay. So where are we going next? We have. We oh, have you a, guys are just. I'm sorry. We're no. kind of. This is the. See, John, John decided the show's need to stay to about 20 minutes, and yeah. he's really sticking with that. <laughs> really sticking with that idea. No, I didn't say 20 minutes. I just said we just need to keep things rolling. I think we automatically have been coming in at 90 really well, yeah. unless we're at City Beer Store and everybody's buying a beer. Exactly. That was a, that was a bit of a ruin. <laughs> that was a long show. It was a long show. Did that you make f- it through it? I, I made it through. I was actually on the plane up to Portland, <laughs> and uh, it was... Uh, I like how we ended with the national anthem. That was it was a nice touch. <laughs> it was. Uh, I just can't believe you guys actually had a show there because it's not a huge store. No, but it it's probably it which is packed. great because yeah. I love what they're doing there and uh, they have a very nice selection. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. All right, so we have hair of the dog. Bum bum bum. Dun 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 dun. So everyone knows that the hair of the dog. There you go. Hair of the dog that bit you. 
<laughs> this is the cure-all. Yes. This is the ultimate. If we were ever going to do the hangover show, we would have to have Hair of the Dog as the beer. It's a good beer, whether it's the end of the night or the beginning of the morning. So what's the uh, – oh, it's a double IPA. So this is a double IPA. This is a Blue Dot. Um, Alan Sprints from Hair of the Dog makes this. Um, we actually just brewed three batches together uh, two weeks ago. It was kind of fun. We did uh, 450 gallons. And uh, it's a, just a wonderful beer. It's um, a little different in that um, it has a touch of rye malt to it. Okay. So you get a little bit of spiciness from that. And then the three different kind of hops that he uses, which it's pretty aggressive hopped. And, uh, man, let me tell you, when you're putting stuff in there, it's um, those hops are just beautiful. And it's such a funky little brewery. Oh, it is. It's sort of, remi- you know. But that's I, what's so beautiful I don't about think it. I've ever seen a full picture or gotten an idea of what Anchor looked like when Fritz Maytag bought it. Yeah. But I think it's going to be sort of like the broken down version of Hair of the Dog. Well, I look at it as, as like a home brewer who's just gone nuts. Yeah. And, and that's what is so cool about it because, you know, he makes just this wonderful um, uh, beers at, you know, what most home brewers would be like. Wow, you know, and uh, I can do this. <laughs> yeah, but then at the same time too, because it's not huge, he's able to really keep his quality up. And uh, this beer has—it's not an overly—it's more of a new beer in his beer lineup. Yeah, but um, sales have been phenomenal on it because um, you know, up in Portland, there's a lot of hoppy beers. Um, I'm sure you know this. Yes, um, I know this. But what's funny, though, I is... I heard if, you can get uh, the tremendous uh, IPA in uh, cans or on draft up there from uh, 21st Amendment Brewery. No. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard such a thing, but I, have, I did not actually see it out of all the places I went to. And we went to a lot of places. Yes. But what's fun about this particular <laughs> beer is, is that I they actually... Because I'm accused of being a, you know... Complete shrill for for twenty one a by everyone. Well, you and know they do deserve it though. So, but um, this particular beer when he made it, um, I think this was like the real answer to a double IPA to really do it right. Um, it has a really nice uh, hop presence, but yet I think it has enough of a malt complexity to balance it out, and it's not too much. Plus, it's actually bottle conditioned, mm-hmm. which is why it's cloudy. Yes, it is a little cloudy. It's interesting also in terms of packaging that on the bottle, and this is uh, the bottle is a brown 22-ounce uh, bottle with a painted label. The painted label says spring 2007. So that this is fresh. You're not, it's fresh, and also the next time he makes it, it's going to say summer 2007 or fall 2007. Yep. It's uh because actually on his website, um, his other beers like Fred and Adam and Rose, um, they all have usually a number on them. Mm-hmm. And you can actually go on the website and actually look up that number to see when it was brewed and when it was bottled. Cool. And so that way you can actually say, oh, look, I have a beer that's uh, 11 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and I just picked it up at my corner market. What could this be? So the pairing of, of what we're eating yes. with this is this uh, Treasure Cave Blue Cheese which is from Wisconsin. I like that little English accent there. That was kind of you know, English. Oh, as <laughs> your cove. <laughs> it's not intentional. Okay, it's where the pirates keep their cheese. Are uh, uh, do you guys just like the aroma of this beer? I love it. That it's- can you guys smell it at home? <laughs> mm-hmm. They can. 
It's totally mm. coming. We're going to get more bad viewer mail after this show. Why? Because we had all local products and <laughs> talked about Wisconsin. I guess this did come from Portland, but I did bring this back from the brewery by Ann. Because actually this one is kind of hard to find here in California. They're just starting to bring it in. I've so. never seen it here. Hence why I brought it. And here the dog is basically Alan and volunteers, right? Yeah, it, uh, he brings the people in to help uh, bottle. Um, he's very much a home brewer at heart. Um, really just a great guy and yep. uh, just a good friend. And also, you know, he has a chef's background, but yet he became a brewer. And to apply that same principle of flavor and, and to really do it right, um, it's a lot of fun because it really shows in his products. Um when we brewed, we actually started at nine in the morning, and we didn't finish till midnight. Oh, <laughs> it was three batches of beer because okay. it's, his system is basically a five barrel system. You saw it, mm-hmm. but uh, to do it the way he does it, you know, there's there's no lost quality. You know, you you look at some of these bigger breweries who have all this, you know push button this and and you know they've lost some of that that real good character and when he bottles this beer it's actually a combination between seven and eight different batches of beer that have been blended together so you get this just wonderful just meaty good solid i mean to me this is what i think of of a double ipa it's nice so it doesn't it's okay so it's not like magnolia or pliny or pliny or Definitely not Pliny. Um, definitely not the. the but there's a, land. a good hop. There's a good hop characteristics, but it but it's not coming out and no. saying grapefruit. No. True, and because he doesn't use any Cascade, which mm-hmm. I have to applaud. So. <laughs> so try that chip with the blue cheese. With extra blue that cheese. That chip with the blue cheese. Yeah. I've got a hair of the dog story. Go for it. They've got. Um, <coughs> Um, every year for the Oregon Brewers Festival at the end of July, uh, yes. they have their little uh, hoot nanny at the brewery on uh, the Friday of the festival. And probably now, God, it's probably about eight years ago, I'm up with my friends at, at the Hair of the Dog thing. And I'm looking over and I'm like, oh, she's pretty cute. And this woman walks over to me and she goes, Do I know you? You look really familiar. I, uh, I'm all like, uh, I don't know. Um, she's all like, yeah, do you like, do you live in San Francisco? Yeah. Do you hang out at the Tornado sometimes? Yeah. Never heard of the place. Uh, <laughs> that's another, that's an Oktoberfest story. Um, that, uh, and then she's all, um, where do you live? I go, I live on Russian Hill. And she goes, I live on Russian Hill. <laughs> where do you, a small world. Where do you live? I live Union and Jones. I live Jackson and Jones. <laughs> Hi, neighbor. And so, yeah, it's like, hey, neighbor. And, and it's like, oh, and this is my husband. Wah, 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 wah. Anyway, <laughs> okay, we got to get together when we get back to the city. This will be great. Never get together when we get back to the city. Two years later, hair of the dog party. And there I'm not is. kidding you. I have witnesses to the story. Two years later, the exact same thing. Wow, she's sort of cute. She comes over and she goes, you're a motor, aren't you? I'm like, oh. I'm like, yeah. And so since then, we've been friends. Mm-hmm. But just the exact same meeting Two times at the at same place. The dog from Which somebody is a hard place to find. Literally, take the bus there. Yeah. You, you take the, I think it's the 17 Holgate. Yes, it's right and up Holgate. You go over the train tracks. As soon as you get yeah. off the train tracks, you get off the bus and walk back to the brewery. And look for the hip chicks do wine. Yes. Right across the way. But um, no, that's that's my hair of the dog story. Just 
exact same thing happened twice. My hair of the dog story is that if you put blue cheese on the chip and then taste the beer. Oh, man. It's totally yummy. Different. It's really good. <laughs> well, this is actually uh, – Sean was on one of my beer panels, and we were talking about um, uh, doing uh, IPAs with blue cheese and, and – um, one guy happened to like the big ass IPAs and um, disqualifies, and this with blue cheese, it's a great combo. So, and actually, Sean was on uh, the uh, KFOG radio station, and uh, he was doing a whole beer thing with uh, uh, IPAs and beers. And and Colin Kaminsky actually called in, and actually was really funny because he's like, you know, I like <laughs> blue cheese and IPAs, <laughs> like the perfect pairing, and. I highly recommend it, even if you might not be a blue cheese fan. Um, I mean, you could do a Stilton, you could do something like a Gorgonzola or a Cambazola. I was gonna, um, I was thinking of a Gorgonzola actually, and I was like, no, nah, go for the blue cheese. Uh, well, the blue cheese, you know, and if you were to have done the Maytag blue cheese, which is actually the same family that owns Maytag washer and dryers and Fritz Maytag, who has Anchor Brewery, it's actually all in the family. The um, the coolest thing about the anchor party, the Christmas party, is all blue cheese. It's that <laughs> hunk of blue cheese that it's like there's so much cheese that no one can eat it, it all. Oh yeah! And I just want to next time I get invited, I'm taking a the chunk. container <laughs> so that I can walk out go. without you know that I can the, walk out with uh, cheese. The That's assuming one. that you can walk out of that brewery because when those taps are open like that, oh man! Well, that's half to, the fun to be able of the to party. Do compare old Foghorn from. Oh. 2007, 2006, 2005, and how however oh, far yeah. back you can go. That is a, that is a flight of. I actually have some 1993 old foghorn in my garage. Some I've, of the first bottling when they put it back into the the six ounce bottles. Mm. Yes, I've got um, portions and, of a vertical as old as 86 on the uh, Holiday Ale. Oh, yes. That has always been... I got some 88. We should get together. I've got... Uh, we did, uh, for one of my friend's 40ths, That's what a happened fun was, vertical, actually. It's around, really interesting how those beers change each Around year. 1988, we went to the brewery, and they were selling uh, 12 packs, four bottles each of, like, 86, 87, 88, or something like that. And Man. then I started to collect them for a while, and then I gave up. But sort of the 20-year... It's coming up to about the 15 to 20-year-old selection uh-huh. is what... Has always been in my crisper drawer, in a fridge, wherever I've lived since then. Really? Yeah. yeah. I used to have a whole case kind of in the bottom of my fridge. Yeah. Yeah. We cracked open for my friend's 40th birthday, and most all of them held up and were really delicious. There was one bottle that was really screwed up. Yeah, we actually do, uh, in my brew club, um, Jeff Scott, he actually has uh, a good 12 years, usually. Mm-hmm. And we'll do a vertical tasting. And it's actually, it's a real fun... Because you can see how the spices have mellowed, the hops have mellowed. This beer that wasn't very good at the time it was released is actually now very drinkable. Yeah, there were um, there were some years, probably like the early nineties, spices when weren't quite really, right. They were going really funky with it, uh, which was interesting. But they were going really. And when you but come to back finish for, a whole beer, it was like, oh, this is painful. <laughs> but then coming back to that fifteen years later, oh, totally. Maybe that's what they were thinking. The foresight. Because yeah. Fritz probably is a genius. <laughs> Well, so probably we just uh, you have to wait. Uh, so I keep cutting out for this beer. more blue cheese, and everybody keeps eating it. I or love else. cheese. I know, but everyone's like into this. I love cheese, especially with the uh, buffalo blue crinkled. Now chip. this is a pairing that is really quite mm-hmm. tasty because 
there's enough hot presence. There's a maltiness. There's a little bit of spice from the rye. Mm-hmm. And with the blue cheese, this is just, oh. It's pulling out the blue cheese, making it even more bluey. Bluey. Yep. And the hops are, are changing a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're not, uh, I, th- I would say that it mellows it out, the blue cheese. It not only mellows it out, but it actually, they complement each other. Mm-hmm. They bring out the best in each other. Because sometimes blue cheese, especially when it's old and, you know, when you buy your blue cheese, really make sure that you know your cheesemonger, mm-hmm. that it's fresh and it's, you know, it hasn't been sitting there for 18 weeks and uh, this little wrapping and <coughs> it's now kind of grown this whole, whole new blue thing. <laughs> you know, you don't want new blue. No. You only want the original blue. And uh, that makes a big difference. But also, too... You know, when you get that cheese, it's just right. You know, and it doesn't have that ammonia. And then you try this with this beer and the hops mm. and the malt. And just the way it kind of finishes. Even people who might not like blue cheese, I think, would like this. Or IPA. This could be homework. This could be homework. Oh, that's that could be homework. Well, because you've got with blue cheese, you've got the, the, the really, the flavor that everybody thinks about with pungent, blue cheese. Yeah. And then you've got the back flavor. And it's the same thing with the IPA. Totally. You've got the flavor that you associate with back flavor, mm-hmm. and then the more subtle flavors. <laughs> I'm thinking about that. I'm just it, drinking. It's push pull, mm. push pull on the uh, on the taste buds. Mm. Don't start with this. No, don't start with the IPA no. and the blue cheese and the chip. Because this think is like a halfway to the end of your beer tasting. Yeah, because it is a pretty aggressive beer, being a double IPA and. And, and I the can actually feel of, the alcohol a little bit. And the flavors of the of the uh, blue cheese definitely are oh, going to yeah. overpower. Like if you tried to eat, uh, where are they? Oh, those. This would yeah, not even taste no, right now. No. no. Yeah, those salted potato chips would not. not they'd be same. good, but they'd not. They'd be good, but not the same. No. All right, we have a couple more things to taste. We do. We do. Um, are you already? Wow, you guys are just. Well, you're not done yet. No, no I'm not done yet. I'm just, we, we've got. I'm oh, taste, taste, taste. I'm no, thinking no. drink. Sorry, sorry. Oh, no. Taste. So because I taste about, my beer when I drink it. So you well, know. we've been tasting the whole entire show. Mm. That we have. Um, yeah, actually, this is going to be kind of interesting combo. Yeah, this is an interesting combo. Wow, I still have some IPA left in my glass. The pride of Stanley Group. <laughs> I think I'm going to take that last little bit of blue cheese so there's John has to whole, put some more out there. There's still a whole Because uh, chocolate and no. blue cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so we have, uh, from all the way across town, uh, uh, Ghirardelli chocolate. And this is the... Is this like the local show? This is... You know, it, it was a total <laughs> accident. I went, I buzzed... But thank you. I buzzed through the store. And I'm like, ooh, I like this. Ooh, I like this. Ooh, oh, that's right. We have the... You know what? <laughs> we have that too. No, no, no. Well, that's next. This is coming up. Okay. We're going to put the Ghirardelli on hold. Yeah, we're going to put the Ghirardelli on hold because we have the next place to go. Uh Aha. Oh, look at this. So we have the most pedestrian thing possible. We have pizza. Pizza. And if you don't know where to get pizza, you can always make your own. Exactly. There's always pizza to be had. So it looks like we have a couple of different kinds of pizza that are actually four different kinds. Yes. Just because it's me, and that's kind of how I do things. How did that work? Did um, they make this for you like this? Oh no, of course. Not. <laughs> um, but this is a like a meat lovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a chicken with caramelized red onions mm-hmm. and roasted garlic. We have a pesto with artichoke hearts and olives. And then we have my own little creation. When I was in Italy, uh, my first night in Italy, this little town, Reggio Emilia, in the Culinary Valley there, I had this epiphany of a pizza that was gorgonzola and pancetta. 
And it was such an awesome, crisp, thin pizza. It was just this epiphany of of what a real pizza is like. And um, not that we can get that here, so I add a little bit of uh, ricotta on there and um, then their normal cheese blend, uh, the mozzarella, provolone kind of. And uh, it actually works out pretty well. So very good. You sold me. I'm I'm impressed. It's a. But again, you get that little bit of the blue cheese bite, but then you yep. get that you know wonderful little thing of bacon, and uh, it's quite tasty. Excellent. So everybody's going to eat pizza all at the same time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but again, you know, this gets back to tasting food and beers and flavors and. You know, there's there's really t- two different ways to pair beer and food together. You know, one is to really think about you can contrast that flavor or you can pair with that flavor. And so, you know, something like, a, you know, a bourbon porter or bourbon stout, you know, that vanilla notes, you know, that with ice mm-hmm. cream that might happen to be vanilla ice cream really works well together because the creaminess – that opposite vanilla, they're opposite ends of the spectrum of what you know. And I mean, you think about vanilla in itself. You know, vanilla has um, a way of making anything taste sweeter, mm-hmm. even without ad- adding any sugar. It actually will taste sweeter because of the vanilla. Um, to play with that, I actually from home, I didn't bring it today, sadly, because it's such a great play on things. But I did a uh, a vanilla salt. So I took a gray salt from France, and I added vanilla beans to it. Mm-hmm. And it sat about three, four months, and you kind of shake it up every once in a while. And um, the whole vanilla beans have now infused the flavor of that salt with vanilla. So and it's just their proximity to one another in the jar? Yeah. But, I mean, it's a very, you know, aromatic, you know, mm-hmm. pod. Um, it's the only uh, orchid that produces a like a pod the vanilla bean and then what's amazing though is is that you use this salt and you can actually use it in chocolate you know you can use it in truffles you can do it over chicken Mm. and it's has this really nice subtle sweetness to it but there's no sugar it's just how we perceive again like how we were talking about garlic and savory yeah but it's the same idea with vanilla and sweetness so it's kind of a fun way to play up that whole thing so Kind of fun. So, again, it's back to, like, how do you pair beers with different foods? And, you know, you think about what that beer tastes like or you know what that food tastes like. And go either contrast it or pair with it. And you'll actually, you know, bring up some of those flavors or you'll actually contrast those flavors that actually make other flavors stand up. It's funny. A lot of times I'll order some food at a restaurant. No way. Like, <laughs> food at a restaurant, no, John? No, You're a rebel. No, <laughs> Where do you eat? <laughs> and, and they're like, what do you want to drink with that? And I'm thinking about it going, let's see, I'm ordering this. And I'm looking at the selection like, okay, that could be a Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Or the IPA. Or even, you know, oh, it needs to be, I'm having this until my food comes, and then it's a stout. Right. And the idea is, is that I'm just thinking about what it is that I'm about to to have and I want that to complement it or I want it to be you know uh, in at odds totally you know? <laughs> well and that's funny because like okay so I'm having a salad an imperial stout an imperial, imperial stout does not go well with the salad <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't see that. Yeah. But it is interesting, too, because, you know, there's a lot of restaurants where you can go and you can actually get the the wine paired with all the courses. Mm-hmm. But why can't you do that with beer? Two reasons. We're not sophisticated enough? No. We have We're a lazy? Simo- we have a sommelier. Or sommelier. But we could have a beer sommelier. No, I know. But, but we have a sommelier, and I'm <laughs> going to pronounce it wrong uh, intentionally. <laughs> Do you get Merlot? <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. I like the Merlot. A lot. A lot of Merlot. Uh, <laughs> but we don't have a sommelier for beer. And a lot of things, the reason is, is that most people believe that beer is pedestrian. That there is no reason to have that person do the suggesting. Um, and even if there was, somebody would say, well, but... I'm going to have a bud anyway. I was up with some people at uh, (laughs) a certain local brewery. uh, um, (laughs) uh, Two years ago, the Oregon Brewers Festival at, let's just say, a renowned restaurant for beer and food pairing in Portland, Oregon, without naming any of them, um, where we dropped probably 120 bucks. And... um, (laughs) Supposedly, they do do that. Mm-hmm. And the uh, server came in and looked at us and goes, and we weren't all wearing our beer t-shirts. And he goes, you guys are obviously up here for the beer festival. You can figure it out for yourself. No. And what in his place? <laughs> and right there at that point, um, we decided after the entire meal, at that point, we should have gone to the manager and said, uh, WTF, as they say. Yeah. Uh, and we started talking around, but no, there was there was none of this, you know, great beer and food pairing. Well, and again, it goes to show how in in not only California but in America in general, beer is that lawnmower esque, mm-hmm. you know, middle of the day drink, and it and it really hasn't earned or for some reason restaurateurs and chefs and sommeliers haven't taken and embraced the concept of. There's actually a lot more going on here, and there's a lot more flavors. And I think that there's almost intimidation. I mean, I've had some beers that are just so, like, they're begging to be paired with food. Mm -hmm. And you think about why don't these beers ever make it to an actual menu? You know, I mean, my website has a lot of different beer, you know, cooking with beer and also beer pairing ideas. And what's that website again? Uh, Shameless plug. Come on. That's what the show is all about. Okay. <laughs> Homebrewchef.com. So, um, and, you know, there's a whole bunch of different recipes. I have a recipe of the month. Um, plus, there's uh, a whole bunch of different brewery stuff on there. I'm actually, when I brewed with Alan, we actually, I took pictures of all three batches, and I'm working on a page for that. Uh, when I was in Belgium, I have a whole bunch of stuff there for that. Did you do any the uh did you go to any places with food and beer pairings? And just I say, Bring did, up. and and let me tell you, <laughs> wow. Yeah, um, we uh, went to the Hamelhof, mm-hmm. which is just outside of Watu, which yeah. is off the square there. And I uh, had rabbit pate there. Oh man, <laughs> I had the salmon rillettes that were just amazing. But I had a rabbit cooked in a, a blonde that was just mm, yummy. And uh, my buddy, he had it was a. Uh, pork shank that was cooked in a um, uh, their wit beer, um, and it was just absolutely beautiful. And the pork shank was lighter than the rabbit. 
It was. Yeah. And I mean, you're when thinking there, pork, but yet same. you're like, wait a minute. It's almost like, you know, it's red, but yet it tastes like chicken. I yeah. mean, it was so just absolutely. When but, I was there, we had the, the same things. And it's like the rabbit was just incredibly oh. rich. And the pork was just, it, it comes out, there's your pork shank. Oh. And you're like, oh, God, we're going to be dead after this. <laughs> and it was like light and just, yeah. And the chef there, I mean, he's he's such a creative guy and just really passionate about his food and uh, really says a lot, too, about food in Europe versus food here. You know, we also went to uh, Dendever in, in Bruges, and uh, they do – it's actually kind of refreshing in a way because you can go to a restaurant – and they do have a, a, a wine list, but um, I highly recommend you never even ask for it because you just order – and they have one beer on tap essentially, and that's their house beer. And outside of that, they pair everything for you with each course. And if you get to know your server very well, they'll actually just usually end up dropping the bottle at your table. Mm-hmm. And uh, you actually just have a great time because we had a Chimay Red that was like really ultra fresh. I forgot how good Chimay Red is when it's fresh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because here in the U.S., you know, by the time it actually gets to the store in the shelf, it's, it's probably at six least weeks. six months to a yeah. year old. And these were just absolutely fresh and beautiful and malty. And I had almost forgotten just how great that beer is. And then to have it with food and actually cooked in the dish. And oh, we had just some really fun stuff. And it's just fun to uh, – I went with friends to a Spinnacoop in uh, Brussels. Oh, yes. That's a wonderful restaurant. And yeah, we, I, had, there, yeah. we had the waiter there who was just straight out of the movies. I used to work at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Yes. Very fancy. But, <laughs> it, yeah, it's just like, you know, bring out whatever you think. Well, you know. But also, I, like, you know, when they cook for, like, Rochefort 10, you know, in this, you know, cream sauce, yeah. you know, over <laughs> this chicken. And you're like, yeah, okay, that sounds pretty tasty. I'll try that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh, and, and also just to see these just absolutely incredible beers that, you know, just to find here. It's like, oh, man, that's a good store. And then the idea that these are actually things that are just on the the menu, you know, like they're yeah. actually cooking with these beers. Um, I actually just did a dish um, when I was in Belgium. Um, I went to Zythos and um, great beer fest. If anybody ever wants to go to a real beer fest, I mean, I've been to a lot in America all over. And let me tell you, that uh, really put every beer fest I've ever been to to shame because the brewers are actually the ones pouring your beers and they actually take your glass and they rinse your glass and they wash your glass. Yeah, every every pouring every, every pouring single got a beer station. And- but they actually wash your yeah. glass. It's not just a rinse; it's a wash. They wash your glass. And the idea that you have this perfectly clean glass, and the brewer is pouring it perfectly, just you know, perfect head. You know, sometimes they'll even scrape it off to make sure you have just the right amount of head on there. And then you can actually talk to them and say, what is your hop schedule on this beer? And they're like, what hops are you using? And you're like, you're using all American hops? (laughs) (laughs) You have warrior in this? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we snuck it in special. Also, like, you know, it was actually kind of fun because um, there's a a brewery kind of in very close to the French border um, called uh, Destruce. And these guys are making just some absolutely phenomenal beers. 
and they're very small, very artisanal brewery, and they really, their attention to detail is just over the top, and you might be able to find their uh, Panapot, and it's a spice beer that when they're sparging, so they're, they're rinsing the grains from the wort, and but before they actually boil it, they add spices to it. And uh, let me tell you, this this kind of dark, malty beer with these spices and how it comes out, um, if you guys can find it, it is absolutely over the top. Because Panapot? Panapot. It's okay. actually named after the fishing vessels that they would have. There's actually a boat on the front with, like, big sails. and But... Um, I did a uh, a duck dish where I actually marinated um, the duck in this panapot, uh, the duck legs, and mm-hmm. then you braise it in this liquid with some just aromatic vegetables. And um, let me tell you, it is absolutely wonderful. I've, I'm glad we've been eating for the entire show, or else I'd be getting hungry oh. right now. Yeah, I apologize <laughs> in advance. You know, I want to talk a bit about this pizza crust. Yes, it's sweet, but it's not. It's a a little sourdough. A little sourdough. Mm-hmm. And um, it is fabulous. Yes. And um, this with the beer. The, and it goes well with the beer. I think that if I just had the, the if I think if I just had the pizza crust, I wouldn't have noticed the the uh, the flavors of the bread. True. Just you know, eating the pizza for the pizza's sake. But to stop and enjoy it since it's not Domino's. Yeah, not Domino's. <laughs> that uh, yeah. But, yeah, so there's some wonderful beers out there. And to really think about, you know, pairing beers with food and flavors, you know, give it a try. I think my second thing on my list of why there are not sommeliers. Please. That the thinking is that there's no money to be made from beer. So why would the the guy bother to learn about a $4 glass of beer? Well, and that's also – brings to something that I think is very interesting. Why will people spend upwards to $2,000 for a bottle of wine? It's Chateau de It's much better than But the whole idea, too, of, you know, a brewer has spent just as much time. Granted, it's not like a once-a-year harvest. Right. But with the malts, the hops... The yeast, the different sugars, depending on what style of beer it is. And they've aged it. They've sometimes put it in barrels. And you can buy it for 15 bucks a bottle. Right. Maybe 30 At the most. I mean, and that is really out there. Okay. And you think about these beers, especially when they've been aged, you know, that's like a vertical tasting, all these mm-hmm. different concepts. And, I mean, really, how much money are you really out but yet you think about these brewers who slave over steam and this and that to make these beers that are really works of art. They are works of art. And and the way that they taste, the smell, the aromas. And, and you think about why that beer, you know, is even sometimes shipped across the country. You know, like you can get this beer for, you know, seven, eight bucks a six pack. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do they make any money? I don't know. I do. I want to I add to this thought, though, in that. Unlike wine, beer has a limited time. For the for for some beers, some styles, for some styles, like the IPA style, doesn't mm-hmm. get better with age. No, it doesn't. No, it does not. Uh, the blonde style does not get better with age. Sadly, no. Sadly, doesn't have the alcohol. There. Doesn't have the alcohol content. Um, a lot of the Belgians are just so fragile to begin with that 
they are done in you know the year and a half at the very most depending on the style <clears throat> depending on the style and how it's sealed so you have this we have to finish we have to drink this beer kind of thing and you know i've sat around with brewers and other people who are beer aficionados and we talk about remember that beer that roger made oh yes and the small little barrel it's never yeah. going to happen ever again and <laughs> it's like dude you missed it and that's kind of actually <clears throat> half the fun mm-hmm. the um uh, the, the fact that this is this is only happening this time or a beer that was a mistake that everybody liked that, mm, motor oil <laughs> motor oil <laughs> 21st amendment motor oil i never saw it there there was a um um the uh, the brewmaster <laughs> the brewmaster kept repeatedly giving me a bad time because i didn't have a cell phone <laughs> i was one of the last adult males to ever get a cell phone I don't like, have one. And eventually, really? He'll, <laughs> really? He'll make, he'll make a beer and name it after you. <laughs> he said, finally, but if you get a cell phone, I'll name a beer after you. And because of work, I ended up getting a cell phone. And all of a sudden, a couple of weeks later, he goes, I got a beer on called Motor Oil. I got to call Sean. <laughs> Not everybody was on, the, it was on the, the beer flight for the longest time on the menu. And people were like, um, I'll have Motor Oil. Like, we'll, we'll never have that ever again. <laughs> wow. Did you take a picture? No. The Pantone, have pictures at the Pantone was like black. <laughs> it was like, you know, Pitch seven. black. Yeah. yeah. Seven in the Pantone book. Speaking of black. There you go. Aha. Uh-huh. Say gear. Our <laughs> deli. Gear our deli. Ooh. So gear deli, this is um this is the dark chocolate <coughs> that they make. It's a sixty percent chocolate, cocoa. And if uh Pete was here. Uh. Pete Slosberg. He would give us the story about why why um, American chocolate is not really chocolate. It's more <laughs> like it's kind of like candy. It's the uh, it's the wrong it's the wrong thing. And so, in the United States, that number that magic number of the amount of cocoa that you have to have in chocolate is. 18%. Yeah, which is pretty which sad. Is pretty sad. There's pretty much, or is it 12%? It's, it's not too 20. low. It's too low. And so the rest of it is sugar that's fueling that. And so this is really. And the emulsifiers. Departure. Yeah, and emulsifiers and milk and some other things. But this is really the, this is really the departure from that. This is uh, a chocolate that is 60% cocoa. And it's. Um, Unsweetened chocolate, cocoa butter, milk mm. fat, soy lichen, and emulsifier, and vanilla. That's the ingredients. So there is no chemicals or any of that other stuff. <laughs> I just laugh every time I look at and, the kit on the label. <laughs> and once again, sorry about this, uh, the world, but it's a San Francisco product. Yes. Yeah, but Ghirardelli, you should be able to find oh, it. You can find it's a pretty standard chocolate. Um, make chocolate chip cookies out of Ghirardelli instead of... Hershey's, it's a hundred percent better. Yeah. Unless you're in Pennsylvania, or Nestle's, Hershey's. yes. But what's also interesting too, this is a sixty percent cocoa, mm-hmm. and you know they go all the way up to like you know eighty to eighty-eight percent. Right. And it's interesting because it, as you wean yourself off the sugar, you get a lot more complexity. And there's some chocolates out there. If you look hard enough, 
Um, depending if you're not in the mid- the Midwest, and I apologize, um, I think you should move to the coast. <laughs> but um, uh, you, you might understand why we have a Democratic Congress. But um, um, the idea of uh, the small plantain chocolates mm-hmm. um, that are like almost like coffee, where it's this particular you know place where it's almost like wine, where the soil was this way and. The weather was this, and only got them this much moisture and and rain, and and when it was uh, picked, and the, the cocoa, you know, it's actually fermented. Uh, the beans are f- fermented before they're actually roasted, and then cracked, and ultimately ground to this, you know, nice, smooth, melty chocolate, you know, consistency. But the higher cocoa percent, you get more of the actual. Fruity notes, you get mm-hmm. a whole bunch of different. Um, sorry, I'm just, it's totally sticking to my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you get all those different um, nuances to each chocolate, which um, makes you really stand out to like, wow, this is really different. You know, a Calvo versus a Verona versus a Lent to, you know, an, you know something, you know, from Ecuador or this or that. We actually have a bolinier vice to go with this. I think this is a perfect. And I'll let you mix the. Uh, are we going to mix in the green? I think we will. We're going to try it without the green first. So we actually have um, uh, some Woodruff syrup as well to go with this. Um, and for those of you who might not know, if you ever go to the Soup and Couch in San Francisco, and you order bolinier vice, and every time I order a bolinier vice, I get it with the Woodruff. And it's so funny because everybody sees this green beer walking through the restaurant. And all of a sudden you see about four or five others <laughs> in succession. You started it. And it's like a <laughs> – Also, Fallsburg uh, on uh, 14th yes. and South Van Hess. There you the, go. The East German restaurant. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for bringing up. Berlin's this. got a weather like Chicago. Now, what's fun with this beer is, is that it's actually a very low alcohol percent. Yeah. This is like barely 3%, 2-something, 2.3. Mm. The one I brewed it's was got about a nice 2.3. Sour taste. Yeah. Well, it's actually a lactic fermentation. Mm-hmm. So that there is a primary yeast in there, but the the lactic piece kind of finishes out so you get this nice tartness to it. But with the Woodruff, you almost get this vanilla almond flavor. And it's this green syrup you can buy. Um it's not easily available. No. <laughs> um, I've actually had this bottle for as you can see years. for a while. Um I was looking at the born on date. Yeah, <laughs> the born on date of my syrup. I think this was made by communists. <laughs> it probably was, actually. <laughs> but what's great is this is a nice, light, refreshing. I mean, to me, this is the perfect Laomore beer mm-hmm. because uh, it has yeah. so much flavor, but yet there's hardly anything in it. I would say that a good part of the country would not like this beer. You can get the, the one of the first places I had this in this country was at a place in Chicago. Okay. I can see no, that. No, but I'm just saying that the, that the spaces in between yeah. are not there. They're prob- try and find it here. Well, yeah, try and find it here. Exactly. <laughs> there. If we can't even find it here, well, actually, City Beer will have it. They probably have it at Sonoma. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they've got mm-hmm. it. That uh, uh, The stuff sandwich shop down in Oh, LA. yes. You've been Pasadena. there? Oh, you betcha. Of course you have. It's a great place. It was a, it was a tough decision to figure out which sandwich, but even tougher to get what beer to get, figure out what and beer. then the fact that you know unless you want that beer in a in a plastic cup 
you have to buy a glass. So you're yeah. like, well, what glasses don't I have? Yeah. <laughs> because they have all those ones. And then you finally get your beer, your sandwich, because you can't order a beer till you order a sandwich. Right. No, and then you're like, no sam- no sandwich, yeah. no beer. That's nope. the rule. Because that's their liquor license, yeah. and they really abide by it. But yet they have a good sandwich, and uh, they're big. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, But then they have this absolutely amazing beer selection of just vintage beers. They have, what, eight taps? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and actually I, I saw people sam, oh, uh, man. try to order a they're like, oh, I'll have that. And the guy's like, no, you can't have that. Yeah, sorry. It's like the soup Nazi. <laughs> but, but one better. I mean, he takes a look at him and goes, no, you won't like that beer. You should have this beer instead. Yeah. No. But also, too, he um, has just a great selection of stuff. I mean, it's, and it's you could spend a whole night there, and it's much. a deli. Well, you would be, you know, for example, you walk in and you see it, and you're like, I'm just going to spend half an hour just figuring out what I might want. You kind of like lean on the counter and you're looking back and forth because you just have all these like soda like coolers just full of just amazing beers. And you're like, I'd be happy with almost any single one of these. Meeny, <laughs> meeny, miny would be just fine. Exactly. You know, let's start with the letter A. <laughs> what goes with pastrami? A P beer. Here we go. So there's that dreaded radio silence. That's an otherworldly color. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's try it with this uh, <laughs> green. So this, so without the syrup, has a nice tartness to it, and it actually mm-hmm. kind of balances out some of the chocolate sweetness. But it, it has that little bit of bitterness, roasty, coffee-y finish. Mm-hmm. I think it pulls so. out, the, it pulls out the, the essence of the chocolate really well. <laughs> it's green. It's magic. I don't know what it is. This is, what it's this is the appropriate beer for St. Patrick's Day. Totally. If you want green beer. So this is a Woodruff syrup. Made by communists. Might have yeah, been this, made by communists. This label is not in English on any level. Well, no, they have the... The numbers See, are in English. Is the, is the born on date, and your choice of years. I know it wouldn't have been made by communists, but 98 through uh, 2001. 2001. <laughs> God, it is old, huh? I had yeah. it for a while. I don't well, think it goes bad. The syrup totally flattens it out. That whole... that whole. Uh, but you get that vanilla and almond flavor yeah, no, to it. It's, and it, with it, the, that sour... With that sour... Hint. That sour... Note. But it's not like a Lambic. No. It's not like an Old Bruin or no. a Flanders Red. And it has this just nice, pleasant, very... It's not... Linear, but because it has a lot of complexity, even with a little bit of malt that's in there. Mm-hmm. And the proper glass for this is the big hot tub glass. <laughs> exactly. It's about probably those are four, hard to find. Four inches around, four or five inches around, and about three inches it's tall. It's like a, a you're high, not going to spill it. No, it's not going to tip over because no. it's wider than it is tall. Ooh, that with the chocolate actually is really nice. It'd be it. like half a pickle jar. Yeah. But uh, yeah, traditionally it's either the green syrup or the red syrup, and the yeah. red's raspberry. Yeah, which I don't care for as much. Is no, I like the woodruff. I think so. I actually just planted some woodruff in my backyard. (laughs) So you're going to be making this stuff soon. You think you can get the same color? That's the thing. I I mean, I don't know if that's (laughs) natural, and my German is not where it used to be. So while you're figuring that out, I'm going to read a couple of things. Oh. Hello, sirs. First off, great show, and the homework is awesome. (laughs) Uh, If you happen to find yourself up here in the next few months... 
during the brew fest. You might want to check out this new place that opened up this May. I haven't been there myself yet, so why is he telling us about this? All right. Uh, but I saw the ad recently and immediately thought of you guys. It's uh, maxfanocreek.com. Um, and uh, from the looks of it, they offer six beers on tap plus a great guest tap and some old aged beers. The only problem is uh, for him, it's a 45-minute bus trip on the 12 from downtown without a DD. However, this is the best part. Here he says, anyway, keep up the good work and bring back Rockstar Bartender. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one is? The 12 is the line that used to go to the airport in Portland. Oh, yeah. So this that's from Mackie. And uh, this other person for, named uh, Warza uh, wrote about Rockstar Bartender saying, I enjoyed the show. Great laughs. Uh, you can see all the comments on this post here. Oh, no, he didn't write that. So we have to have Angela back. Um, just a reminder that the American Craft Beer Fest Week is yes. wrapping down rapidly. So you'll have the weekend to get we your... We had some craft beers today, though. We had some craft beers, and we had a home brewer, so we should have <laughs> him assign our passport. Ooh, wow. And as a reminder for the California uh, listeners, if you... Fill out your passport, and you're ashamed of the fact that you went through all the effort, and you're not going to get a prize, only a certificate. Send us by fax or by photocopy uh, to the address on the website uh, your passport, and we'll send you stuff. We'll We've got commemorative you, bottle caps. We have commemorative to bottle mail to pa- caps. <laughs> we, have, uh, geared, we have extra. John nice, and I'll sign the bottle caps. I was going to exactly. say, you're going to sign them. Yeah. We have uh, extra Ghirardelli chocolate squares. And, oh, we got uh, the brownie still, dude. Exactly. Oh, we have the brownie still. Here, break that out. I'm going to read some more. Um, here's a reminder. If you like uh, the beerschool.com show, um, you should check out a new video podcast called Cocktails on the Fly. <coughs> it's a um, – it's uh, Alberta Straub is the host. She's known as your flighty bartender. And she's doing um, some really amazing things with uh, simple syrups and uh, – pre-mixing spices and fruits and vegetables in the syrup to make um, to make mixes that go in your drinks. And that makes we've, sense. We've experienced, I've experienced what she's made. Oh, really? Incredible. I mean, take like what some, kind of stuff? Um, she did a take on, she's basically uh, in the lab every day mixing stuff. So she's doing crazy things like uh, Bloody Mary. You know, so the take a bloody mary syrup. Oh uh, yeah, nice. The, you know, the idea of here's a syrup that goes well, well with a bloody mary, so that it's spiced up, not too spicy. You know, so that when you mm-hmm. taste it, you're like, wow, this is perfect. Um, she's got a a thing called a spa mix, which is a <laughs> which is a uh, cucumber bean, some spices, um, and it goes in the and it ferments or. Uh, now, does that come with a massage? Hmm? Does that come with a massage? It should. <laughs> anyway, uh, check that out. That's on iTunes. Uh, I just blew that. that <laughs> you know, I follow the link to the Bunnies game. Yeah. The Bunnies is Bear Bear Moose Moose. Is it? Yes. We like the Bunnies game. I like Bear Bear Moose Moose. I know. Bear Bear Moose Moose <laughs> is always funny. Um, yeah, eh? Yeah. This was, on, this was on iTunes, and this makes me very happy. The hosts, John and Motor, are beer lovers that cater to listeners 
with monobiric experience with a desire to move on. <laughs> that that was that's our mission statement. That's our that that's our new, right on the wall. That's our new mission statement. <laughs> We're catering to monobiric experience. Um, read the rest of that on iTunes. That comment. Hey, have we gloated how we're the number one educational program or whatever the hell that was? Yeah. Exactly. New and notable. New and notable. That's right. We were new and – is it on here? No. We <laughs> on were in, iTunes. We were on – That's exciting. New and we notable. On, yeah, new and notable. Well, you know, that does say something because people take beer, you know, since it comes in that 24-pack. You know, such a standard, you know, and to really stop and get to know your local brewer, to get to know different beer styles, to step out of the box and say, hey – what does this taste like? I've never tried that, you know. And I remember when Bebmo first opened way back when, when mm-hmm. Jay used to order beers. I'm like, ooh, man, I haven't had that in a long time. Or I've never seen that. And then you buy it and what go to the next one and the next one. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, I've just had 300 different beers. And what are you? What were you out um, if you didn't like something? Oh, about four or six bucks. Yeah. And it was no big deal. You said, I don't like this. And, and there could have been a number of reasons why you didn't like it. But for the most part, it wasn't because it was a bad beer. Sometimes it was just how it was stored. Right. Or it was a beer that you hadn't caught up with yet. It's true. You know, there's things that I, like, for example. The, what, what you appreciate? The very first goose beer that I ever tried. Bing. I was like. What the um, hell is this? This is wrong. This is just not <laughs> right with itself or left with itself. In fact, I don't even like this beer. And over time, and this mm-hmm. I'm going to say it's taken six years for me to really appreciate the style. And does your liver thank you now? Of course. Good. Must yeah, be. Actually, same thing for me. I remember I had a Cantillon Creek. And mm-hmm. um, mm. they, they use the term horse blanket and wet rat. <laughs> <laughs> And Not strongly enough. Um, when I tried it, I'm like, whoa. And then you're like, whoa. And then by the time you actually finish up with it, you're kind of like, that was absolutely bizarre. But now I can't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how your palate changes, how you've educated your palate. You know, it's almost like your mind. You know, it's not like you just start in with quantum physics. Right. You know, you kind of have to do a few things before to, that. You have to do some math first. And then by the time you're actually there, you're like, okay, I can I can go that way. Yeah, the person's uh, original face that they get when they taste that, it's like, ah. But, you know, actually I had the pleasure of bringing over some absolutely like two-week-old Pliny the Elder <laughs> to Belgium. And Vinny was kind enough to... Uh, sell me a keg that I told them what I was doing with uh-huh. it. And we bottled it under CO2 and did the whole thing. And to share that with some Belgian people who, you know, the hoppiest beer they've ever had mm-hmm. is like 65 IBUs with the Durank, you know, XX bitter. And to have something twice as many hops and to watch them drink that beer, it was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> they're making faces and they're not quite sure what to think. Oh, they were like completely like, Ooh, Whoa! I mean, just absolutely like blown away how bitter it was and the hops and how strong it was. But then the second, it got a little bit better. And by the third or fourth sip, they actually were like, wow, I get it now. <laughs> and, and it was really cool. We'll it was a fun have, thing to share. We'll have to have Sean O on the show and have him talk about when he did the, uh, the, his IPA versus their IPA. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, uh, no, when he had the first uh, IPA from La, La Chouf. Yeah, and I'm not going to tell the story because he tells it way really better. 
I bet. It's his story. I'm not telling it. It's a good story. It is. It's worth having him on the show for. Yeah, you think Sean would be on the show since he can walk over here. Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't like us. He's busy. He's busy. <laughs> it's hard to find that guy. I mean, he's like all over. He is. You should try Ruby Beer from McMinimums. Yeah, we know. I love Been Ruby. There. I know. It's on this. It's on. <laughs> I actually, I looked, but we never made it to McMinimums when I was up in Portland. Or Mark I Patterson says that. I'm like, yeah, we're trying to get it for the fruit Ring, beer show. Ringler's Annex. Ringler's Annex. Well, I mean, there's so many McMinimums, you should be able to get it. Pretty I really much like anyone. Ringler's Annex, though. Oh, really? That's your... I really like Ringler's Annex. It's a little teeny tiny um, uh, cast iron building right up from where Henry Weinhardt's used yeah. to be on Burnside. Uh-huh. And the downstairs area is almost all lit by candles at night. That's very cool. Um, you're underground, under the sidewalk. And by volume, I drink more ruby than any other beer combined, I think, during well, the Brewers Festival. But here's the thing, though. If McMinimans would spend a third of the money that they spend on real estate on their beers and their food, it would actually make a really cool combo. Hint, <laughs> hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, say no more. Because I love that's, touch. I do, too. But <laughs> if they just spent a third of the money that they spend on their real estate and their, their um, little fetish with lights and, and all the other things that they do with those establishments. They're great, great to be in. They're fun. But, you know, it would be great if they had some different beers and they had a little bit better quality. I don't know. I like the Ruby, and I went to architecture school. And so, so what are you it, saying? Uh, what, I, what I'm saying is, I just sit there. And the go, Ruby's not a bad beer, I'm, and I'm no, not trying to bash their beers, but oh, they no, could no, spend. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that what the, what they've done with with the real estate and everything that they do with the artists. Oh, it's beautiful. And I mean, the restoration piece alone. It's what they have like sixty some odd properties now. Yeah. But yet, you know, something that big, they could really, really flex their muscle and do something really great for the beer community. And I haven't seen them do that yet. Maybe they leave that to everybody else. Then that's sad. <laughs> when you have sixty locations, you can make a much bigger impact. Our friend named Mini Guy writes: I was just through South Korea a couple weeks ago, and I saw Kimchi, uh, Erdinger, Wise Beer everywhere I went. I think they have some kind of exclusive at the airport as well. Other than that, it was all Japanese beers and one place with Singha. So that's our friend who's stationed over in uh-huh. in uh, Korea, and so that's his shout out. Yeah, it was. Uh, what beer do you think I could find in Korea? I don't know. <laughs> like, sorry, sir. We, yeah. we we haven't ever been there. <laughs> so then, one last thing. It uh, comes from uh, head home brewer at Clark's Brewing. His name is James. It says I've been listening to your older podcast, Beer versus Beer, and you challenge the myth: beer in cans does not taste. Uh, as good as in bottles. Your experiment was good, but wrong for the myth. The myth can be true if you drink uh, your beer out of transparent vessel, uh, can or bottle, uh, your sense of smell will alter your taste. How? This may be odd sounding, but everything has a smell. Pure glass has a smell. Do you challenge this? Pure glass has a smell. Um, that is an interesting concept. Um I don't know if I've ever smelled just an empty glass, but when I do do I like have a, when I'm crying into it, I'm <laughs> not going to give you a hug. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if you take like for beer judging, if you take a glass of just water, mm-hmm. and after you've smelled a whole bunch of beers, your sensories are a little overwhelmed, 
smell a glass of water in between your beers will actually help desensitize your nose, and you can actually smell again. Okay. That's one thing that I do. So is that because of the The glass? I think it's more the water, but I don't know if I've ever just smelt a glass. I know that a glass that comes right out of the dishwasher has has a um, has a smell that smells like dishwater. Yeah, it smells like yeah. dishwasher. Yeah, um, but I don't know that glass by itself, especially it's been sitting out. You know, it's been maybe we should go to a glass factory. <clears throat> maybe I'm sure that a glass factory has a distinct smell to it. <laughs> anyway, um, pure glass has a smell as well as aluminum. However, aluminum gives off more smell. But most aluminum cans, now that they use for beers, at least have a liner. On the inside, but not yes. on the outside. Well, weren't we pouring our beers into glasses we anyway? We were. We weren't tasting it out of the can. I mean, that was hence the... And he says this. He says, you know, you guys were drinking them out of another vessel. Right. So, you know, I'm thinking, well, yeah, we've told everybody not to drink out of the vessel it came in. You should always put beer into a proper glass. Anyway, well, thanks Respect for Respect the beer. A canoe or a raft. You're not going to tell me you drink glassware when you're on the rapids with your beer. How these plastic pills? These little glasses? REI official production <laughs> goblets, tulip glasses. I'm going to. Do they collapse into themselves? Uh, not yet. <laughs> anyway, but, um, aluminum nice. has a smell. Evidently, I've never. I don't know what that smell is. It's. It's got to be really subtle and in the background. Hmm. Like the sound of the tea going by out there? Yeah, I can hear that all the time. <laughs> Except when it's not running. I hate them. Don't even get me started about the stupid muni. I can tell stories for as long as beer school about stupid muni. Hey, when you did the tour of San Francisco, you didn't talk about those stories. You know, since they've changed, <laughs> it used to be running. It used to run like clockwork. It used to be perfect. And then they screwed it up. Never. And now the buses don't run the same. The train doesn't run the same. It's all screwed up. So what did we learn today? We learned a lot of things. We learned that um, we still have a show that's got to bend toward the local, despite being asked not to do that. (laughs) 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 We have, um, we don't like those, we don't like those wings. Berlin is probably the furthest afield beer that we've had on the show. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm glad I could help. Fosters and support are brewed in Canada. Actually, we didn't have any local beers on the show today. Everything was from out of town. Right. True. Um, My fault. No, it's not your fault. Um, We had a lot of local food. And that, you know, that just... That balances out. That's that's good, like, food karma. Yeah, everything was local. Even the pizza was local. So, (laughs) there's that. Yeah, no, that pizza actually came from... uh, (laughs) From where? From Canada. Nuh-uh. It was Canadian pancetta. pancetta. You'd be amazed at what that guy got a tip for. Mm. What else did we learn today? We learned that we don't know what the homework is yet. (laughs) Now, the homework is easy. The homework is to get some of your beers that you normally drink, and it can be anything. No, I think it should be a beer that they don't normally drink. Okay, that's that's arguable, but we're not going to do it on the in the microphones. Oh, and they should have potato <laughs> chips with their uh, right. with their beer. They should have potato chips with their beer. Um, no, I, okay. So get four beers that you've never tried before in the in a certain style. Get three beers you've never tried before. Three beers that you never tried before, and one beer that you know. Exactly. Okay, and then 
some salami, some potato chips. Open your refrigerator. Open. Okay, you don't even have to go get food. Depending. I don't know. If it was my refrigerator, you'd probably have to go get food. Well, if it's my refrigerator, then I definitely have to go get food. Okay. Um, I don't know if I'm going to have you guys up because you might be scared about my refrigerator. So. <laughs> but you're cooking all the time. I do. I have wonderful leftovers. So You have two fridges? I do. That's one so cool. One just for beer. And then you I can always fri- you have three can, fridges then. No, just two. Oh. But I can take f- beer out, which I I know it just limits my selection of beers on hand. But then I can put some food in there too when I do my cured bacon's and mm-hmm. my cheeses and That's pretty cool. My homemade yogurts and yeah, so So that's the uh the homework. Okay. All right. So well articulated professor. And then then email it in and yeah, actually let email, us know what worked and what didn't what work. What didn't work. Um I'm not fond of that brownie even though I keep eating it. Funny how it is when it's right in front of you. I know. Yeah, it's a little cakey and uh, it's not. You know, I I really wish I would have gone to the uh, the bakery, Citizen Cake. Yeah, Citizen oh. Cake. See another local place. Did you know that Citizen Cake makes the best grilled cheese sandwich you've ever had ever? I actually have never ordered a grilled cheese off a menu. You should try it. It is it is the. You know, I go like out of my way to eat the eighteen cheese blend, pretty much, and the local <laughs> yeah. bread, and local bread, local cheese, local butter on each yeah. side. <laughs> it's perfectly distributed across perfectly distributed everything across. to the crust. And uh, actually, and the the bread is made by Citizen Cake. No, they make their own bread. So. And uh, at least that was the that's what the person told me. I'm not sure that that, but it was a sourdough that was mm. big and yummy. And. and uh, there you go. It's almost starting to sound good there, John. It is sounding good. <laughs> um, what else do we have? So, homework, send us your comments. Um, what else? Do we have anything else business-wise we have to tell anybody? Prizes right here for anybody who right mails there. in there. No, we're actually going to do – we have we have the real, <coughs> the real shirts on their way. They turned in the artwork. Are you going to have a beer store, like we're online, gonna... where you can like buy stuff, like mm-hmm. motor? So I'm selling can... this one. For anybody who wants one of these, I've, I've already got a set price for this. It's a lot of money. Is that the same shirt? Well, not this it's shirt. It's not that shirt. Just like it. <laughs> well, you know how like you know you can buy certain articles of clothing from certain people and make more money. Oh, I could do that. Pre-owned motor sweaty rugby yes. shirts. Yes, unwashed. Unwa- no, I washed this one today. Oh, yeah. But you're wearing it now, so therefore. Yeah, I'm, I'm. It has been worn. Well, thank you very much for coming and having a chat with us about. For an extra fifty bucks, I'll spill some watermelon weed on it, <laughs> <laughs> and you can wring it out and get it. Mm, there, that. Yeah. Would that be watermelon funk then? Nope. No. Although I could probably, if I left it in the shirt. Is that's a cool shirt? You should make again, John. I have. Oh, that's right. I made. Oh, that's right. I handmade those. Those were. Fun. I know. <laughs> I need to make water. I remember when we had that beer, and that was. Uh, that was way good. Especially after all those barrel aged beers, it was nice to have something sour that kind of cut that sweetness. Mm-hmm. I kind of needed that about oh, that barrel aged beer festival. Have you posted the video of you on fire yet? No. <laughs> no, you know why? Because the Twit guys, uh, the people on the Twit network, are going to go. Okay, we're not listening to that guy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think we gave out the secret of how to find it last week. We did. All you have to do is uh, search for watermelon wheat. Water, and, uh, watermelon wheat. Or, and you'll probably find it if you just go watermelon wheat. Yeah, exactly. Just type in watermelon, in fact. You'll find it. Yeah. Mm. All right, Sean. through through. Beer, beer, uh, homebrewchef.com. That homebrewchef.com. Recipes, fun and games, pictures. 
No games yet, but no uh, games there's yet. a lot of uh, uh, recipes that use beer as an ingredient, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of people, you know, outside of a marinade, but to actually deglaze with beers and a lot of beer education. Is there a salad recipe? Um, I'm actually working on some salad stuff uh, because... Inspired uh, by the show. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> the deep fried salad. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how to do that. Um, I'm hoping it's you can give me the, some pointers all, off the air. It's the beer batter that makes it work. I, I still, the idea of some arugula, you know, deep fried, I just, <laughs> you know, maybe some radicchio, you know. <laughs> the radishes are the, uh, the, Ooh, the piece of la resistance. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I used to work at the, uh, Berlier's hotel. Very <laughs> fancy. <laughs> <laughs> Vera Fonsi. All right, uh, motor. Yeah, um, you can find me where I always am, sitting at my desk, hard at work, hard at work, making okay. the world a better. But how place. do they talk? How do the kids find you? Talk to you. Motor at beerschool.com. Nice, and I'm John at beerschool.com. Or just look for the best looking guy at 21A and ask him where I'm sitting. Exactly. <laughs> and where do you get that shirt? That shirt. <laughs> oh yeah, where'd you get that shirt? Where did? <laughs> yeah, where'd you get that? I've got this one, and I got the even better looking one. Ooh. It could be yours for only $150. Now, do you take Visa, American Express? Uh, no, but I think John takes PayPal. Yep, yeah, same thing. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're going to wrap this up because it's time to. We don't. We have probably more beer, but... We always have more and beer. And it's Thursday. Have, and it's Thursday. There's places to go and things to see and stuff to do and all that. Um, anyway, I'm John Foster. You probably know that by now. And no, I'm Motor. I'm Sean. And uh, we only have one last thing to say, and that is... Class dismissed! <laughs> All right. And then it just runs for a little longer. So we can't say anything like this or that. No, yeah. we can say whatever we want to say, but... I just want to know what's on the menu next time. What is on the menu next time? I don't know. We should talk about that. <laughs> Are you serious? Uh-huh. I'm serious. <laughs> I didn't seem like that long. I hate that. I hate that. Anyway, chance um, we're giving away too much content. I, no, it was just really. You're gonna start char- like charging. You have to start charging. Oh, anyway, we do. I'm gonna start. Every time somebody clicks to download the show, we get all the credit card numbers. It's a little thing that John's worked out. <laughs> <laughs>